Hello and welcome to the intro to, of a podcast that already has an intro. My name is Jeremy. <laughs> I'm clipped together from multiple different versions of myself. I'm Tyler. <laughs> I'm Zach. We are sorry that we do not have a Gundam Seed movie commentary for you this week, but Tyler opened a brewery and it was a success, so we couldn't record. Yep. <laughs> He's <laughs> been very busy. Unfortunately, it was a success. Um yeah, no, I think I was uh, calculating the other day, and uh, between all the people who helped us, like, get open, we put in twelve to 1,400 person hours in, like, a week. Uh, it was a lot of work. Wow, <laughs> so. that's a lot. So next week, we will be back with movie two of Gundam Seed, and I, gun to my head, could not tell you what that's called right now. Oh, shit. A Far Away oh, Dawn. Man. What was it? A Far Away Dawn. Okay. Uh, but this week we have our year in review segment, because I'm not going to lie, I've been depressed and burned out as hell when it comes to editing podcasts, which is why these commentaries are so great, because I can't edit them or I will ruin them. <laughs> I, I tried to edit that first one to just silence ums and clicks and stuff, and I just started deleting stuff on reflex. And I'm like, you cannot do that, Jeremy. You are going to forget to control Z if you do this for one more minute. So you're not editing this podcast. Oh, no, that means people are actually going to hear what I actually sound like. How I actually talk. Um, but we wanted, before that, Zach wants to give something away. So, Zach? Okay, so for uh, our 10th or 11th anniversary? 11th, our yeah. Stuff, no, I messed up the math. I'm <laughs> starting our podcast. We actually have a giveaway for everybody. Well, not everybody. Only one person's actually going to get it. But if I could afford it, I'd totally give one to everybody. But uh, You would not. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm honest, I'd love. Okay, whatever. So we have a Games Workshop Angron model that we're going to give away. Note: this is just going to be like the sprues, the instruction manual, and the base. It doesn't have a box. This was totally not because Zach decided he wanted to get into World Eaters and end up with two Christmas boxes and can't actually use two Angrons. So we're going to give this one away. Uh, the It's going to be pretty easy to enter. You just have to go to the channel. It's going to be called Contest or Giveaway, probably Giveaway. In our Discord, for In context of where the channel is. I was is. going to just say that. You, you, you jumped on me. but uh, It's because I don't trust you, Zach. <laughs> He's probably right not to, to be entirely fair. But it'll be called like Giveaway or Contest in the Discord. Just make a single comment in there. And doing that will enter you into the contest. If you have questions, either send me a direct message or ping me on the like general channel or something like that or Warhammer channel. I'll answer it and then I'll pin it with the rest of like the contest rules and a picture of the model if you don't know what it looks like in the giveaway channel. Uh, we don't want to have like conversations or something like that in that channel because uh, I don't know exactly how Tyler is going to like write the thing to pull a name from the hat or find the thing to do it because I don't know how to do it. I'm just going to copy the text and write a little like text parser in Python. It'll like it'll take me two oh, minutes. I, I would just go to Wizards of the Coast die roller and put in whatever number of peop entrants we have. Yep. <laughs> We'll do something. It'll be random to pick who, who gets it, but it's open to anybody who wants to put in their name into that particular hat. There's no like purchase necessary. There's no, you don't have to be supporting of us on Patreon, but it has to be on the Discord in that channel. Don't send an email or don't send a Patreon message expecting to be put into it. Um, there should be a link to the Discord 
on the web page? Uh, there's one on the website also. If I, I can put it like in the notes for this when it enters the public feed. So All right, Yeah, and so just enter there. Go in there one entry per person. <laughs> Don't spam it. I have tools for that. Uh, <laughs> if I may, I wrote a little jingle just okay. now. Okay. <laughs> Last Christmas, I bought me two Angrons. The very next day, I gave it away. <laughs> It's been two months. <laughs> uh, you know, days are relative. This has been the longest February of my life. Um, it might have been a day. I don't know. It's only halfway over. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, and we're going to start, like, the giveaway will start at the beginning of March, and it'll run through March. And we'll do the drawing in eight, at the first week of April, and send a message. One of us will send you a message. It'll probably be me to the winner. I've never done international shipping, but I will figure it out if someone from an international place wins. When somebody from an international place wins. (laughs) I'll figure that out. It may take a little while as I try and figure out exactly how to get it to you, but I will send it to you. So enjoy our year in review episode. Kevin joins us. He's about to say it. We're about to say our names again. It'll be really (laughs) exciting for you. And we will be back next week with Gundam Seed Movie 2, The Faraway Dawn. Hello and welcome to the generic podcast bit Christmas cabin. It was very, very cheap to buy it now on January 3rd. I guess rent. You don't buy Christmas cabins. You rent them. I'm Jeremy, and I have regained hosting rights from Zach this year to do our end of the year special. And I have some guests, starting with Kevin, because I never get to start with Kevin, except for every time I do Jumpstart Weekly. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Jeremy. How was your trip up to the Christmas cabin? Not horrible. You know, thankfully, I've got decent snow tires, but, you know, I'm never a huge fan of driving, mostly just because of the other idiots on the road. I only saw three different accidents on the way up here. I'm Now I'm trying to make a very COVID Christmas work in my head. Some <laughs> of the traffic would have been great. Oh, there's someone laughing at the door. Who could that be? Yo, ho, ho. It's me. Hi, it's Tyler. I brought the, I brought the eggnog and the Christmas cheer, which is my fun name for hot chocolate. If you yo, ho, ho, you have to have brought the rum. <laughs> well i did well i i thought that was implied with the eggnog but um zach's here too <laughs> he always he, he thinks i don't know that he just waits on his car till tyler gets here and then comes <laughs> I do. uh it's part yes i do do that actually a lot of it is checking like all of the random what's it called gotcha games i play and so that i don't set your dog off more than once that is true uh but here at the christmas cabin we do not have a dog i'm pretty sure this used to be a spirit halloween <laughs> that's why it's so cheap to rent <laughs> hey i again i i vaguely remember how we do this we talk about media and i will determine the categories and t- tyler will say but i want these categories and i'll say okay fine <laughs> <You're it. laughs> yeah I, i'm pretty sure i mandated that one of the categories last year was weeb shit um so yeah. i think you did that the first time we did this no i well as this year i definitely have manga comics and anime all separated out and streaming shows, which, spoilers, are 90% anime. <laughs> uh, this is our topic we want to start with. Is there anything we really want to talk about this year? I didn't play any video games. And I know I say that every year, but the thing is, the last two years, I just played a lot of Final Fantasy fourteen, which isn't true this year. Because your computer blew up. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any strong feelings on what to start with. I've got strong feelings about stuff to talk to talk about in most of the categories I've been thinking about, but that's about it. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if I've played video games this year that weren't Sandrock, because it has been so all-consuming. Oh, well, I'll you start- have, because we played together in a couple of instances. 
<laughs> yeah, I'll start with my best video game of the year because I know you played at, which somehow is not Tears of the Kingdom because I, I have a week off in a couple weeks to play Tears of the Kingdom finally, but I haven't yet. So mine is Vampire Survivors, which consumed oh, yeah. a month of my life and was great. Yeah, no, that was an awesome month. I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm the latest man to the party because I waited till it came out on Switch to play Vampire Survivors. But Fair. it's as good as everyone says. Mm-hmm. Although, you know what happened is it came on out on the Switch and then the de- or the developers were like, no, this needs a bunch of free DLC. And then shortly after you and I both finished playing it, all that DLC came out. Well, look, that sounds great if Jeremy ever goes back to it. But there's paid <laughs> DLC I did already didn't play. So <laughs> I didn't get Cloud Naruto or whatever his name is. <laughs> I didn't play the Weeb expansion. That's $2. What was your best video game, Tyler? So I was casting my mind back to the beginning of the year, and like Vampire Survivors definitely had me hooked for a while. Domekeeper was really good, and that just got like a whole bunch of new content updates that I need to go back and revisit. I, I think I talked about it on the podcast recently, but I actually think my game of the year is my time at Sandrock. Uh, not because it's a particularly amazing game, but because they took all the feedback from the first game that they made and like just made everything way, way better. I am just re- legitimately impressed with the developer's devotion to making a better game based off of the first game so most improved i guess is the award that i'm giving (laughs) uh zach what was your best video game of this the year of our lord 2023 best video game this year i played quite a few there's a couple that i would possibly slot in there but i didn't play enough of armored core 6 yeah, I kind of fizzled out on it, and like, I didn't want to. I like that it, game a lot. It's really good, but I think I'm just going to go with the game that literally consumed me once I bought it, and that was Warhammer 40k Bolt Gun. That is a game where you can literally stand around and taunt enemies, and if you're not running around pressing Y to taunt, just <laughs> while you're moving, I'm you're sorry, probably they, doing it wrong. Ta- taunting is ma- is so important, it's mapped to Y. Yes, it even has animations. <laughs> And there's so many different uh, voice lines for it. But while that is a lot of fun, the game itself, like, it plays really fluidly. It's really smooth. There's a couple of instances where it's like, this is literally just tabletop lifted. Like, you have guns that have strengths. Like, mm-hmm. the Bolter is strength four. You shoot at Terminators, who are toughness five. This is cool. This is 40k stuff. And uh, one of the reasons why it plays so well is it's like, it's Doom. It's the original Doom with some added things in. Like, jumping is in there. Melee is its own button, like you don't have to switch to it, and so they put in a little bit of the platforming thing. It's not super important to like be absolutely perfect for platforming, especially in a first-person game, but I had a lot of fun with it. Like I said, I bought it and then just played all the way through it. That's a pretty good sign, I think. Especially because it was only like 20 bucks. Kevin, what is your best video game of 2023? Sea of Stars. Oh, I've been wanting to play that. It's... Super fun! It was great. Uh, so I it's a uh, this one. It's a old school RPG, kind of a la Chrono Trigger and stuff like that. I got it on the Switch and had an absolute blast with it. I have beaten it, but not fully beaten it in that standard JRPG thing of there's actual way to get the secret ending, which is like collect all of the things and do all of the side quests. And I just hadn't quite done it and play Monopoly. But it like it was really good. I liked. The combat, the story, the characters, the art and music are fantastic. They also have, um, like, mutators, essentially, where you can toggle on various different things. Like, oh, you go buy this bangle, and then this uh, you can make it so that it's you take 40% more damage, you take 30% less damage, or 
you know, oh, this thing happens and this thing happens. So you can like go buy stuff in the game to change your game experience and turn them on and off, which is neat. Yeah. A, a game I forgot I played this year, uh, which was CrossCode, also has similar mm-hmm. things um, where you can like just go back to previous areas and like you can like change the monster layouts or like have like totally different platforming things or something. Ooh, neat. How does the combat work compared to Star Ocean? I don't know if you've ever played an old I've ne- Star Ocean. I've never played. So it's turn-based. You have uh, MP to use abilities. Your basic attacks generate MP. You can get certain items that like generate more or less. Or I guess that will help you generate more. But it's like, so using abilities doesn't generate any. Basic abilities will regen MP for you. And then you can do camp and stuff like that to get everything back. You select your option, and then there's a. If you press the use button at the like the correct time for whatever attack that you're doing, you'll do bonus damage, either like a second hit or a bonus effect or like a stronger heal or whatever. So there's a little and kind of kind of like Mario RPG. That's yes. what I was thinking. Mario RPG rules. Yep. Same thing with the uh, defending. If you, you there's a block button, and if you block at the time that you take the hit, you take less damage. Oh, the same thing I do every time I play Ogre Battle. It doesn't do anything <laughs> in that game, but I do it anyway. Yeah, so that's the combat. Um, you can also get um, combo moves with your various party members. So kind of like Chrono Trigger. Yep, <laughs> you can you can swap your party members freely, and if you select a combo move, so you're like, all right, this it's this person's turn, because you can pick any one of your three during like your action phase. It's like, all right, it's this person's turn. I want to use this combo move, even though that person isn't out, it will just automatically be like, all right, do you want to swap this guy or this guy to do that combo move? Like, you don't have to then go, oh, wait, back out, swap a character, then go to the combo move. It, like, does it just basically automatically, which is Just, like, excellent UI design. Yes. It was very solid, super fun. Uh, I had a really great time with it. I've heard nothing but glowingly positive Mm -hmm. reviews of it, so. Really fun. All right, most interesting. Competitive ruling. Do I have to have played a game to declare it the most interesting of 2023? No. It depends on why you think it's the most interesting, but no. I'm going to say the most interesting video game of 2023 was Wad. Are you familiar with what? this? <laughs> no. Nope. It's a Doom mod of some kind. It's not technically a Doom mod. It pretends it's a Doom mod, though. Wad is a super House of Leaves-inspired Doom fan game that claims to be the level that a man found on his uh, recently deceased friend's PC and decided to upload that is his old house from when they were kids. And the more you play it, the more it is a horror game. So it's like a creepypasta made into an actual game. Yes, but it's like a three-hour game. (laughs) Interesting. That includes, like, when you beat it, you go to the second level of Doom. But then when you beat (laughs) that, you go back to the house. And you can get to, like, a mirror version of the house, and if you beat that, you play a mirror version of the second level of Doom, and then end up back in the house. You should watch a YouTube video on it. There's, like, a number of, like, hour and a half long ones that are really good and really go into it, but it's super House of Leaves inspired and very, very interesting, and does a lot of stuff that's, like, cool if you're into the Doom mod scene. Like, one of the first kind of creepy things is you're like, wait, this floor has two levels. Doom can't do that. And, like, Doom can't, like, you can fake it in Doom, but this is not a way Doom can fake two levels. And also, when you beat the second level and go back to the house for the first time, it adds on a bunch of Doom mods that improve graphics and such, very subtly. <laughs> Interesting. What What is House of Leaves? Oh, it's a pretty famous, like, weird book. Like, it, it is a book that, like, within the fiction of the book, the book is a living thing, and there's lots of, like, writing in the margins, and it's about a house 
that is a, also a living thing. Interesting. Okay. It's, it's like, I don't want to say Lovecraftian because that's not quite right, but it's sort of post-Lovecraftian. Uh, yeah, I've been, uh, spoilers from when we get to books, that's a lot of what I've been reading this year is post-Lovecraft-inspired things. So it sounds way up my alley right now. Yeah, I would say check out a YouTube video on it or maybe play it. Uh, Tyler, what's your most interesting game of the year? Oh, man. I don't know that I have one. I played a <laughs> lot of vanilla-ass shit. Maybe Racine, uh, which is kind of a deck builder, kind of a Mega Man Battle Network sort of thing. It's got a lot of interesting mechanics. I, I got it when it like it had just released version one. It's a lot of fun. My problem is I think I played too many roguelike deck builders at this point, so I just breezed through it in like four hours and like, I don't know. I wanted it to kick my ass a little bit more and it didn't. But it's got a lot of really cool ideas, and it's only like 10 bucks, so I definitely recommend checking it out sometime. Zach? I think I had something else here, but since I can honestly can't think of what it would have been, or what it, you know, actually, yeah, what it would have been, it's probably Tactics Ogre, because it's a bit more interesting than Shin Ten Five in terms of, like, what things are going on, but it's mostly stuff like, this is stuff that happened, oh, like, a long time ago, because it's a remake. Interjection. Uh, did you not play Persona Tactica? Which I also did not play, so it's not a judgment. No, I didn't. It's on my wish list. But I, the thing I just was wonder how they would compare. So okay. It's just sitting at like a still a $60 price point for Tactica, whereas I got per, or Tactics Ogre Reborn for like $10. So it's just, it's interesting. I'm kind of annoyed moderately that it actually has a hard cap on the levels. So like, it knows exactly what level you can be to do a story mission because you're locked to the levels that it says. Gotcha. But you can like improve skill levels, but those are going to be somewhat limited just because classes and whatnot. So it's kind of an interesting game. It's very Final Fantasy Tactics. Like throw rock is an ability that just everybody has. <laughs> you've never played the PlayStation Final Fantasy Tactics, Tyler, huh? So I have not, You've no. never had a clutch throw rock moment. No. Where you're like, I'm screwed. Wait, throw rock can cause knockback 50%. If I get a knockback with throw rock, I'm actually not screwed. You've never had that moment. A moment I've had many times. <laughs> I don't know if throw rock ha still has that 50% knockback chance, but uh, yeah, I just... It's like, okay, I've got my melee character. He can't actually do anything this turn, but he can sure as hell throw a rock at that guy. Oh. It only ever does one damage, but it's just, it's a fun skill. Uh, I'm not very far into it. I'm in chapter two. Uh, the world map has the same map music as uh, Ogre Battle, which is kind of fun. But uh, other than that, like, yeah, it's interesting because it's bringing something back from like, because it's like it's a remake going back past, whereas Chin Ten Five is just, Shin Ten Five. It's Shin Ten Five. Really quick, I have a retroactive correction to my most interesting game because I forgot I played it this year, and that was Disco Elysium. Holy crap, that game is awesome. I'm um, actually surprised you hadn't played that already. Yeah, that feels like it. Like, how old is that game? Because it feels it, like it's it five in, years old, and I feel like it's probably only one or two. No, it came out in 2022. Um, I just got around to it a little bit late. Um, I have not finished it, but like, it is such a weird game. I love it so much. It must feel like it's been around for a long time because when it came out, there was a lot of talk around that. I remember hearing a lot. I, I, I think a lot. I think it deserved a lot of that talk, honestly. So anyway, Kevin, 
Uh, my most interesting game is uh, the Bait and Kaitos HD remaster that came out Holy, this year. I never played. I wanted to play that game so bad when I was in yep. high school. So. so so it's out on the Switch now. You get uh, Eternal Wings of the, and the Lost Ocean and Origins for 50 bucks. Uh, it came out in September. I didn't find out until like two weeks ago when I was in a Twitch stream and we were talking about uh, games. I was like, oh, man, you know, that reminds me of Bait and Kaitos. And I was like, oh, didn't that remaster come out? I was like, the remaster's coming out? <laughs> But I, I'm just, it's a super interesting game because the combat system's like very weird, but super cool where you have a deck of cards that are all of your various attacks and then there's numbers on the cards. And so like you can build like straights and uh, full houses and pairs and stuff like that, that will give. So like if I do three sword attacks and there's like different swords, if I do three sword attacks that uh, I use one, two, three. I'll get like a 7% bonus on my total damage. Um, But then you can do crazy stuff like, oh, if you mix uncooked rice, a uh, helmet, a fire, and a water spell, you will then get cooked rice at the end of the battle. (laughs) And and stuff like that. Like, your cards can change. Like, it uh, goes off the system clock. So, like... uh, Oh, you get uh, green bananas, which cause damage. Then they turn into regular bananas, which heal you. Then they turn into, like, rotten bananas, which cause damage again. <laughs> uh, and, like, now have a chance to poison. And it's so there's a lot of cool stuff like that. Apparently, it's a, it's a nightmare for uh, 100%ing because you need to play for two weeks in order to get one specific card called Shampoo. Because it <laughs> needs to spend two weeks of real time cooking in your inventory until it changes to shampoo <laughs> for some reason. That sounds like uh, that game came out in like what? 2004 or Three, something. I think. Uh, yeah. That sounds like a mechanic from that time. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Just for speedrunners to figure out how to break it. You can't without technically cheating. Watch them figure that shit out. That's what they do. <laughs> yeah, they they haven't. Like, that's what I'm talking about. It, it came out in 2003. And part of the thing is, uh, there's not really a whole lot of speedrun tech because it's it's an RPG. <laughs> it's an RPG and there's not a whole lot of, there's no movement really. So there's no there like might be ways of like optimizing pathing but there's really not a whole lot of glitches to hunt. But anyway, it's super fun game. Uh so I'm really excited to replay th- through that and then um I've never actually played Bait and Kaitos Origins, so I'm excited to play that as well. So for most disappointing game, I had a lot of last minute entries. It was going to be One Piece Pirate Warriors 4 for a while. Is that a Dynasty Warriors clone? Yeah, and it's not even that bad. It's just not as good as One Piece Pirate Warriors 3. Yeah, like (laughs) I bought it and played it. I'm like, well, this sure is a Dynasty Warriors game. Or I played some of it. That's that's Dynasty Warriors. It's like, oh, this is a Dynasty Warriors with Zelda or a Dynasty Warriors with Fire Emblem characters. They all feel the same. It's Mm -hmm. got a lot more like RPG-ish mechanics. Like instead of a Musou gauge, you have like four special attacks you can equip. I suppose I say that, but then I remember I... Don't know that I've actually played a reskinned Dynasty Warriors besides Samurai Warriors, which is literally just, it's Japanese instead of Chinese now. Yep. They tend to add more mechanics in there. Like, One Piece has, like, types of characters. There's, like, sky types who fly around and play a little bit different, and speed types that play a little bit different. But it's nothing, like, super innovative. It just feels a little different and quirky. Uh, so that was going to be that for a while, but uh, really it was fine. It was just not as good as One Piece Dynasty or War. It's not ties. La- it's just not as good as the last time thing was like, what if Dynasty Warriors was One Piece? <laughs> was it more phoned in? No, I think it's just they they added more new mechanics and it 
got away from what I like about Dynasty okay, Warriors. I, I wasn't sure it, if it was, was probably like... less phoned in, and that's what I didn't like about it. If okay. I'm being honest, because well, like <laughs> uh, I remembered, I did play Dynasty Warriors Gundam. Like three is worse than two, but that's because three feels like feels more phoned in than yeah. two did. Yeah, for sure. Then uh, I got a PS5 for Christmas and accidentally bought Final Fantasy XIV on PS5. <laughs> so, and which was a game I was considering buying, and then it accidentally got in my cart somehow when I was buying the stuff I actually wanted to buy. It came with 33 days. I'm like, well, I guess I should like I was considering this. I guess I should figure out if I'm a guy who can play this on controller. But the thing is, I, disappointing doesn't seem fair because I expected that to be hard and frustrating to shift from a keyboard and mouse control setup to a controller setup so can you plug in a control or a keyboard and mouse to ps5 you can the problem is that it won't recognize any mouse macros which is 100 how i played final fantasy like i feel like i'm better off learning it on controller than plugging in a mouse and a keyboard and not using mouse macros okay so what is your most or your real most disappointing game super mario wonder Really? I am surprised by that. So, Which one was that? It's the one that just came out in, like, I want to say November. It's on the Switch. It's a 2D pla- It's it, It's the successor to, like, those new Super Mario Bros. Wii games, the one you can play with, like, four people that we all played at Tyler's Townhome and you were throwing us into pits. Oh, that was great. That's How did I manage to f- miss a new Mario game? Like, I'm not a big Mario guy, but Mario is such a big franchise that when that shit gets released, like, they tell everybody somehow i didn't see a single bit i talked about it even yeah and like also like i've definitely seen ads for this during football games which makes me feel like you should have that's even weirder that i don't oh man that's weird so the reason it's disappointing to me is that okay i never got into mario maker for a couple of reasons and you have recently gotten into like mario kaizo a little bit right tyler yep the reason i never got into mario maker is one of the conditions of mario maker is to submit a level you have to beat it to prove it's beatable which is fair, but the easiest way to design a hard Mario level and beat it is to just make it one where if you're constantly running and going, then you beat it. And what I want by a Mario level is to be intimidated at some point and like stare at a screen and be like, how do I get past this and then do it? Which is very difficult to do in a Mario Maker scenario. The level designs in this game are all very go fast. And I think if I play it by myself, I might appreciate that. But the time I played it, I was playing it with my brothers and my sister-in-law. And, like, there is just so much of people getting dragged off the screen. Uh, yeah, that is actually... Uh, it is a much better pl- single-player game, I think, than a multiplayer so game. So they're not keeping up with you? Or I wasn't keeping up with them sometimes. And, like, it's just a matter of the screen. There's not enough real estate. It does not expand enough. If somebody is going as fast as they need to be going, if you're not in the lockstep with them, you're going to get dragged off the screen and fall into a pit somewhere. Yeah, I played it a lot with James, and that happened a lot, um, especially since he's not as well-versed in 2D platformers as I am. Is like, he would just often be dragged along and like there's nothing we can do because i have to keep going in order to not die yeah so there's a ton of that and i think it's made slightly worse by this mechanic that i understand the intention of where the basically instead of player one being the player that the screen always follows there is a rotating king and the king becomes whoever gets highest on the flagpole which is kind of fun and like incentivizes you to try to do that but i feel like it gets even harder to get used to because of that because it's not it's not a consistent camera lock and it can be you sometimes and then it's suddenly not you and it's really jarring a lot of the level design is more interesting mario stuff than i would have expected so i wonder if playing it alone i will enjoy it more but also what i wanted was this to be a experience like when we all played at tyler's townhome and i don't think i'm gonna get that yep i mean did they still include the ability for one of your uh 
teammates to make life as difficult as possible? Not really, actually. But you can play a Yoshi, and I believe the Yoshi can eat other people. So. Um, also, Yoshi and Nabbit do not take damage. Yes, either, but so. they cannot use power-ups. So there's like a... They, they're definitely the like younger brother mode, but there's trade-offs to it as opposed to just being objectively better. Because not, I never died from being hit. I only died from pits, and they can sure still fall down pits. <laughs> I will say I really enjoyed it as a single-player experience, and I went through and 100%ed it. Um, and there are some legitimately extremely challenging levels. And like the badges but... are a cool idea, I feel like. As like a one, you can have one extra mechanic on a level, and you have yep. to pick it. Although it sounds like what you want out of a platformer is just Celeste. Have you played Celeste? I should. <laughs> I keep recommending Celeste to people in this 2023. I don't... <laughs> I'm there pretty are... sure you've, ta- you've recommended Celeste to Jeremy multiple times, too. Yep. Yeah, but Celeste is not a four-player platformer, not, right? Yeah. Which is what I wanted from this. Yeah. So. No, but if you want, like, a platforming challenge where you're like, how do I even do this? Celeste is really good at that. Uh, what's your most disappointing game, Tyler? Mine's pretty short and sweet because I wasn't expecting much from it, but like I've heard everyone talk so fondly about it. I played Euro Truck Simulator this year <laughs> uh, for about three hours, and uh, I really do not understand what all the hype be- behind those games is about. I don't get it, but I, th- I think it's like it's a relaxing like podcast listen game. Like This is what people do to unwind because there's not like you're not frantically trying to avoid getting shot. No, hear me out. I gave it all the chances I could. I got high. I was listening to a podcast. (laughs) I just like the controls are so janky. I'm just just saying I think that might be the case. I don't know. I've never played any of them. Well, like I I thought I was in the exact right mood for it. And it's just like it is no fun. It is no fun to control. It's very boring. Everything's very finicky. I wonder if it's better if you have a steering wheel. I actually kind of wonder if a controller would have been a better mechanic. Like I was using mouse and keyboard. And I oh, think that, that sounds been, awful. Yeah, I think that might have been a mistake. So I, I don't think I'm ever going to go back to that franchise. Um, I only got, had it because I think I got it for on a Humble Bundle, though. So, like, not terribly disappointing. Anyway, Zach. Uh, so mine is, I think, like the first game I played this year. Um, and that's Fire Emblem Engage. I love Fire Emblem. This is not a bad game. But you don't want to get engaged to it? Yeah. Problem is, <laughs> like, there's a lot of features missing. On top of the fact that they gave you a uh, this new huge avenue of power, avenue of power with the uh, the emblem rings, it's also the only way you gain proficiencies with stuff. So there's a good chunk of the levels where you can't give people proficiency with tomes because your casters are your your caster rings are gone. So it's like okay, there is one level that I really liked, but on. Um, because they take those away from you, but it's also a level that they are like, yeah, the bad guys have them and they're using them against you, which is cool, but it's also a level at night where I can't see shit, so I can't see where I'm going. Although I think that's more, I get that back because that's how it is when you go back to try and farm it and grind, which is the other problem. It has grinding in it. Blazing Blade is fantastic. I replayed that game this year. It doesn't have any grinding in it because you don't need to. Unfortunately, they're like, yeah, this one... we. We put some grinding in, and in order to get most of the, the like, engage ring stuff, like, to get the, uh... Engagement rings, if you will. Enga- yeah, get all that stuff. You you need to do all this, and there's a whole bunch of extra crap, like, they have the... You have to go back to your, like, headquarters after every stage that they've had since If, I think. But it makes even less sense here. Like, it made sense in Three Houses, at least for the first half, because it's like, here's a mission that you were, your class was sent on. And then it's at the end of the month. Okay, so then we just do that stuff. But here it's like, 
yeah, we just got out of that and then ran over here. And then, yeah, after this fight, we went back to the floating castle to just bum around, despite the fact that the world is currently in danger. Yeah, it's probably fine that you just spent two hours fishing. Like, And there's so much extra crap on the Somniel that it's like, why is all of this here? Like, just give me Fire Emblem. And why is your character the only one that has a paired ending? Uh, but Zach, if we just give you Fire Emblem, how are you sed- supposed to seduce all of your students? See, that's the problem. <laughs> that's it. You can't do that because of the fact that you don't, none of your other characters have paired endings. Uh, Kevin, what's your most disappointing game? My most disappointing game this year was Deathwing. Oh, Mainly yeah, we because, did play that, didn't we? Yep. Um, I Honestly, I didn't play too many video games this year in general. Uh, but Deathwing was just like, it sounded like an absolute blast to try and play. And it just doesn't work as a two-player experience. Yeah, I do still want to try that one with a full four-man. But it I, is very clearly not balanced for two people. Yeah, it, like we just couldn't we couldn't handle anything going on because it it does sound like a lot of fun as a four man experience, but only like that's the problem with it is it only as a four man experience. The single player is awful. Two player just didn't work because like, um, it was essentially like uh, well, there's supposed to be four of you, but there's only two. We didn't change anything. There's just <laughs> supposed like. The enemies, there weren't less of them. They didn't become easier to deal with. They're just, there's only two of you, sorry. Yeah, I think you could possibly manage with three, since that's what the single player actually kits you out with. But two is nowhere near enough, and I do think it's balanced for four. Well, and the other problem would be, um, you'd probably have to be get better at the game in order to do it with three. Like, I could see a challenge thing of, can we do it with three? Can we do it with two? But... From a learning standpoint of, I haven't used this game at all, or I haven't played this game at all, two people just didn't work. So it was just, that was the most disappointing game I played this and, year. And when we played it, we did have it on normal, just in case anybody thinks we like jacked up the difficulty to hard. No. It was just normal. Uh, Tyler, what is our second category going to be? Let, let's do books, or book-like objects. Um, oh, I have those too. I have those separate from comic books and manga. <laughs> what, what is your best book-like object, Tyler? The Hollow Places, uh, which actually only just barely squeaked in. I actually read it while I was on vacation in the last week of the year. I have not read a book in that short a period of time in over a decade. Um, it was fantastic. Absolutely loved it. It is one of those post-Lovecraftian-inspired things that I was alluding to earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got parallel world nonsense, um, but also, like... The parallel worlds don't matter so much as they get trapped in, like, a place with things that are, like, extra-dimensional and trying to eat them. And they're like, oh, that's bad. Um, and then it turns out that they do way worse things than just eating you. That's the, the You want them to eat you. That's actually much better. So, oh, no. Great book. Loved it. Um, devoured it in, like, six hours. So, Zach. So, my best book of fear is a book that actually made me mad. <laughs> like, it, it was mad at my own history type of thing, but... Uh... Yeah, I was actually mad listening to this book. I own it on in uh, actual hard copy, too. And it's uh, Immortal Valor by Robert Child. So this is a book that I'm trying to pull up because I can never... I can... Uh, so it's a... It's a basically seven stories of African-American uh, Medal of Honor winners from World War II. Oh, yeah, you were talking to me about that. Yeah, and so... Like... You read through their stories, they tell, you know, they tell them, and most of them, because it's the Medal of Honor, uh, most of them died getting it, but the fact that the couple that 
didn't die had to wait till like 2000 to even be awarded them. Like, that's the part that made me actively mad. <laughs> but it's a really good book. It's available on Audible, as I was just alluding to, in addition to being on hard hard copy. So, like, it's accessible. It's really good, especially if you like history and you're interested in especially that period of history, because it's an element that don't really see a whole lot of, because they're kind of all over the place in the uh, the Western European theater. So, that'd be mine. What's uh, your best book then, Kevin? My best book was Waybound, book 12 of the Cradle series, which uh, finished this year. Um, uh, I've never even heard of this series. It is a progression fantasy series and probably one of the best out there. Um, definitely one of the top recommended. Whenever anybody talks about progression fantasy, they usually try and mention Cradle. So progression fantasy is all about essentially like lit RPG has progression fantasy in it. Yeah, you get stronger like and there's levels for you to do it it doesn't necessarily have to be literal levels it can be like tiers or rankings or classes like in uh, cradle you have um uh this is essentially soul strength um you're determined by um the color of your aura copper iron gold uh jade and then there's like different you know levels of a bunch of those but that series finished this year and uh I've read through the series, not the entire series, but I've read through the series like three times because uh, I reread through the entire thing again when Waybound was coming out because it was the last book in the series. I'm like, all right, I'm going to reread through these. They're all available on Kindle Unlimited. So if you have that, you can just read nice. the Cradle series. Uh, they're fantastic. Will Wright is the author. White. I always forget if it has an R in it. I, 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 can never, I think it's White. That's um, why I had to pull it up on my phone so I can remember what the author's name was. Uh, he's also working on another series that I'm really liking, but uh, Waybound was a really good end to the series, and I I just really liked it. Uh, I'm illiterate, and I don't read these books, but I do work nights now, so I do occasionally allow somebody to read a book to me into my ears. <laughs> uh, so I read a whole eight and seven eighths books this year, if you count that. I was seriously considered just doing the Lock Tomb trilogy for all of these because that's probably the best <laughs> the stuff I read. The thing is, I've read Gideon before, and I think I even made it my most interesting one year, and I think that's the best of them. But uh, for my best, I'm going to say Nona the Ninth. I really like that. Kind of represents the whole Lock Tomb trilogy to a degree. Uh, but like, I don't get why people don't like Nona, especially people who like Harrow. Like, what is your taste if you like Harrow but think Nona is bad? I yeah. don't get it. And, and like, my my opinion's exactly. That. I think Nona is way better than Harrow is yeah. like a piece of fiction. Yeah, I'm so. like, I, this is not about Harrow, which did not make any of my three lists. But Harrow is such a like, hold my beer, I, I'm going to show off <laughs> as an author type book, and like, it, it's impressive that it's not worse than it is. But it's not great. And people are like, oh, no, but it is. And no, and it kind of sucks. I'm like, what, no, what are you talking about? So <laughs> I, I would highly recommend Lock Tomb to anyone. And Nona is good. Don't let anyone review. Uh, tell you otherwise. Zach is smiling at me because I'm sure Gideon is his most disappointing book. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, it can't be for everyone. Uh, Tyler, what's your most interesting? The Iron Widow by Zirin J. Zhao. Um, it's a reimagined. It's basically Evangelion but set in feudal-era China with a bunch of Chinese mythology stuff thrown in. I don't think I liked it enough that I would read the sequel, but it was an entertaining ride. It's, it, like, it reads more like a young adult to me, just like the character motivations are fairly shallow and like 
it deals with a lot of like heavy concepts, but like none of the characters re- like act in a way that I find terribly believable or human. What's this uh, one called again? Uh, the Iron Widow. No, sorry. It sounds very similar to something I read years and years ago. That's why I was like, "Have I read this?" I'm sure lots of young adult ass fiction has been super inspired by Evangelion in our time. I'm pretty sure that's a <laughs> wide well. Um, well. Also, the Chinese mythology and, and yeah. the ancient China thing. Yep. No, it's pretty good. It, like, it ends on a strong enough uh, twist that I'm like, should I read the sequel? But like, I I had to force myself to read it every time I read it, and like, I had no problem once I was reading it, but I never wanted to pick it back up again. So that's always a problem. Yeah. Super interesting though. Zach, what's yours? Uh, my most interesting book was actually vying for the top spot because I'm a huge nerd. Um, my most interesting book is actually To Hell and Back by Audie Murphy. So it's an autobiography about his time on the Western Front in World War II. And listening to like what he's thinking of and what he was doing at any given moment when he's there, it's like, man, this gets really disconnected. Like... This this is a guy who's actively talking about going out and shooting people, and it's literally, he just sounds bored. And it's just <laughs> like, this is just a job. And even then, like, one of the, the thing that I think earned him his Medal of Honor, when he was talking about that, he mentions the only thing that he could really think of at the time was uh, that this was the first time in weeks his feet had been warm, while he was standing on the back of a burning <laughs> tank. So, like, it's very interesting. It's for free on Audible, so... If you have an interest in that kind of stuff, like, it's free. It costs nothing to listen to it. Except time. Except time. (laughs) The most valuable of currencies. Which you have that anyway. Like, put it on when you go out for a jog or put it on when you're doing No, don't. Listen to our podcast instead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen to the podcast and then go ahead and listen to this. Works out just fine. I still need to find the movie. Because then I will have uh, gone through all of the different To Hell and Backs. In which Audie Murphy plays Audie Murphy. What's your uh, most interesting book, Kevin? Uh, my most interesting, my most interesting book is Fire and Song, which is the second part of the Stormweaver uh, Chronicles, another progression fantasy series. Only this one is sci-fi themed, um, where everyone has these uh, like super cool cyber suits that give them special abilities that grow as they uh, like become better. And so there's, again, rankings for them. So it's like, all right, so uh, you get stats, strength, speed, power, uh, that kind of stuff. And every everything is given a grade from uh, F to S. And uh, you're also your overall, like, they're called devices. Uh, rank can go, same thing, F to S. Um, so this is the second one on that. And uh, it's been, it was phenomenal as well. Uh, Iron Prince was the first book that came out a couple years ago. And this one just came out this year, uh, and I really liked. And then I do have two honorable mentions for most interesting. One was Never Night, which is uh, got this kind of like assassin girl, and it's got this uh, idea of it's like an origin story of it starts off with this, uh, you know, like the greatest assassin to ever live who like murdered an entire city. Like it, <laughs> like she goes. It sounds like she goes insane and murders an entire city. Um, and so it like then cuts back to like, all right, and this is how she started. But I thought that was really cool. And then the first binding, which is sort of like a name in the wind or a name of the wind in that it's the main character is a storyteller telling a story about him himself or himself as a young, okay, a young boy. 
and he goes to school and he's learning magic and uh he's you know there's a bunch of hints and series and stuff um i found it interesting that like there was a bunch of negative stuff where, like this is clearly just ripping off this thing uh you know name of the wind and it's like you know, oh yeah, the school thing, and he found this bully, and they were like, yeah, like every school yeah, setting that's ever, <laughs> and the storyteller telling his own story is a not a common trope, but is a trope, like, sure. It's a fairly common framing device, yeah. Yeah, it's like, this is, you know, sure, it, it does seem a lot like it, but it's not the same, uh, but it was still very good, so I really liked both of those, so I just wanted to put those up as honorable mentions for most interesting. Uh, so... This is the year after threatening to do it. I finally started reading the Game of Thrones books instead of just <laughs> r- uh, listening to an inordinate amount of analysis about them. I think I'm going to go with Sword of Swords since I have to pick one book. Uh, it's just really interesting comparing what's actually in the books to like the pop culture impression of what's in those books post the TV show. Mm-hmm. And I'm really curious because like a lot part of this is that i'm listening to them while i work so i don't have the most focus but as i get into the ones that are after the series was adapting it super closely i wonder if i'm going to start to lose some of the plot so to speak but i'm just really interested in what the show's hyper focused on that's barely in the books in particular pedro pascal and uh who's aquaman why can't i think of his name uh Oh, Jason Momoa. And, and Jason Momoa are two people who had careers launched based on the Game of Thrones show who play characters who are barely characters in the books. I feel like they're barely characters in the show, too. But... Yeah, I mean, Carl Drogo barely gets any screen time whatsoever. The difference, though, is that Carl Drogo, when he gets, like, scenes in the TV show that are his scenes, whereas in the books, you only get him from Danny's perspective. Fair. And Danny doesn't even speak the same language as him. And Pedro Pascal's character is in a whole season of the TV show, but shows up in four chapters of the books. And he is not like a, the first time he shows up, it's like for uh, like two paragraphs of the chapter while he meets Tyrion. And then he's sitting on the trial of Tyrion, but he's just a chair for most of it. And like I said, those are two people who had giant careers launched based on those characters. So that's super interesting. And I'm comparing everything to One Piece now. But it's super weird how comparable I find Game of Thrones and One Piece. I feel like the only real difference is Oda has to release a chapter every week, so One Piece comes out. Um, (laughs) Whereas with George R.R. Martin, he can sit on his ass for as long as he wants and nothing ever comes out. But I feel like they're very similar authors in that they focus a lot on detail and do a tremendous amount of foreshadowing. So when they do what seems like a wild twist 100 chapters later, you just kind of roll with it because it's actually been foreshadowed this entire time, and you have to go back and reread it to notice the foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. That's kind of uh, cool. I, I actually like it when books do that competently. So Yeah, but, and also I feel like they're both authors who just like get better ideas and add a whole lot to their story, and it gets more and more complex. But again, Oda has to release a chapter every week, <laughs> so we get One Piece, whereas George R.R. R. Martin just sits there and keeps changing and adding and making it more complex, and we will never see it because he's going to die before Winds of Winter <laughs> comes out. Yeah. So have you read past Storm of Swords? I am on the final chapter of Storm of Swords right now. Gotcha. I've heard I- it theorized that uh, because he has the make it super complicated, he's written himself into a corner and isn't entirely sure how to get out of it. I think that's... Pr- I think it's... A little bit that, but it's more that the TV show showed a version of the ending that everybody hated, and now he's super second-guessing himself in addition to that problem. Also, I would, so, um, since I've read all of the ones that have come out and will not be reading Winds of Winter, even if it does come out, um, Storm of Swords is when I, uh, the end of Storm of Swords, uh, or after Storm of Swords is when I stopped liking it. 
as much. But the the big thing for me is that he did not write himself into a corner. He wrote himself into a fucking forest <laughs> in the fact that there's now so many goddamn dangling plot threads. There's no way he can bring them all back together. So it's not, oh, I've written myself into this corner. It's there's so many places to go that I can't make a decision anymore. Yeah, I've I, literally never read it. I'm just relating what I've heard. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get you. I just I wanted to change the metaphor because it's not oh, no, I've painted myself in a corner. It's, oh, no, I only painted the corner. Now where the hell do I go? <laughs> and I feel like that's actually very similar to One Piece in a lot of ways, where we all laugh when Oda says, it's almost done, guys. I just have to deal with, you know, these 50,000 plot threads we have. Uh, the difference is Oda has to do a chapter every week, like yes. I said. So And he, will... does, he does come out, but it also, the the thing that I've, or the, the problem that I have with uh, Game of Thrones is a lot of stuff is like, yeah, he's got all these cool dangling plot threads. A bunch of them just, he's ignored. Like Rickon. Rickon <laughs> yeah. just left three books ago. That's just Rickon's gun. <laughs> Maybe he'll fire that. We don't know. So yeah, I... Like I said, that, that stuff excites me because it can come back. And I think that's just a difference between you and me as readers. Probably. What's your most disappointing book, Tyler? The Darkness That Comes Before... It is. That's a, a title. It, it sounds is. disappointing. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a. Uh, so it got recommended to me last year, and I read like the first little bit of it, and I actually got into it this year. Um, and I think it was really disappointing to me, mostly because I just wasn't in the right headspace to be reading a book um, like this. So it is a super heavy, dark fantasy setting um, that follows the, the main character. It comes from like a cult that worships the concept of causality. Um, and he's really good at manipulating people into doing what he wants because he's just like, he's basically just superhuman for no adequate explanation. But he's on a quest to find his father who went off to start the end of the world. And he's like, well, the world hasn't ended and also my dad hasn't come back. What happened? Um, because it sounds like, like the worst version of Hunter Hunter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't know. It's really interesting. It's got like Malazan levels of like, there have been c civilizations before this and like there are a bunch of old beings laying around and like, the magic system's, like, super interesting and complicated, but mostly the story is, like, a bunch of miserable people doing miserable things to each other, and it's just, like, really depressing the entire time, and then the world ends, and then you're like, there's no catharsis, there's no, like, payoff, it's just, like, it's just depressing, so. <laughs> I want to mention that uh, this is also on, uh, I've, I attempted reading The Darkness That Comes Before, uh, and same thing, only I it it wasn't the depressing nature of it that I was struggling with when I was trying to read it. It was the density of like the lore and just it is also extremely dense. Yes, yeah, which is not a bad thing. But every like the the two times I tried to take a run at it, I was like, I can't handle this on top of like all the other things that I'm doing. I'd like I want to focus a ton of time on this because the it seems really interesting and there's really cool lore here. And I just can't focus on that especially when i have you know a different light novel coming out uh, on subscription every couple of months so i'm like unless i like buckle down and only do only read this book for a bit i'm not gonna get through it oh, so man, it's just sat in my sad. library i think it's still probably downloaded on my phone uh that i'm like i'll eventually get through it because I, I i also got it recommended and it was like it does sound like a very even with that you know, being super depressing. It's like, well, if I'm in the right headspace, it sounds yeah. like it would be amazing. I, I actually, have to wait for the right headspace. Yeah, I actually want to, so I only got like halfway through it this year, um, and I think I want to try to give it another run this year. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm in a lot better mood, I think, just generally, so. But it was very disappointing having it had been highly recommended and then just like, it just fell flat for me. So, anyway, Zach. <laughs> Jeremy called it. 
my most disappointing book was Gideon the Ninth, mostly because like I'd heard from you and Jeremy, it's a very good book. I read it. It's a mediocre book. This is why I literally said I don't want to recommend it to you, Zach. I have to figure out how to trick you into thinking it was your idea to read it because that is the only way you will like it. I have known you for over thir- for nearly 30 years. I know this to be true. And they're like, I'll read it. I'm like, oh, no, I have failed. <laughs> well, here's the thing. It's mediocre. Like, from the beginning, I'm like, okay, I'm in the headspace of a terrible human being. Okay. She's supposed to be very good. Are you ever going to show me that? Apparently not. Um. Her, she's paired up with another terrible person who I also want to see be pushed off a bridge. Why is Sextus not the primary focus of this book? He's the only interesting character. <laughs> I, f- I find it really funny that you think Sextus should be the main character. but there, He's the only interesting one in the whole book. The whole like big twist at the end, I called. The only part I didn't call was exactly what was going on because they don't tell you anything about it until right before it comes up. What, giant giant alien alianth from space? <laughs> no, the whole Lictor thing. Like, what does that mean? Beyond constantly, every time somebody mentioned it, making me picture a Lictor from, t- from the Tyranids in 40k, which really livened up those conversations in my head. Um, but other than that, it's like, yeah, I saw pretty much all of this coming. The big bad's gonna be the one person who you characterize the everything shit out of, but then don't spend any time with. See, this is hypercritical, Zach, that read this book, and I had to trick Zach into thinking it was his idea. So, how ah, I'm going to read this book, Zach would have read the book, and I failed. <laughs> it's, like, if you like that kind of thing, I'm sure people can get something out of it. It's not the worst book I've ever read. I loved it. Um, what my I know you did. My like, favorite part of it is that it's like five different books. Like it's five different genres. Yeah, yeah it's like, <laughs> and that's why it's such a train wreck to read. <laughs> I don't know. I think the genres mesh well, and any any uh, book that ends up being surprise Dragon Ball Z at the end, I'm gonna <laughs> get like a kick out of. It would have been fine if I actually cared about either of the characters and didn't want to see both of them pushed off a bridge. See, uh, see hypercritical Zach. Again, this is the wrong Zach read this book and I knew I had failed as soon as he said, I'll read that book. I was like, oh no, Zach will hate this book no. now. And to be fair, I do hate Haro the entire time. Uh, um, I don't hate her the entire time. Although, like I said, the book Haro is like, ugh. <laughs> the character Haro, I don't mind. I can't remember her name, but Sextus is Cavalier. Camille? Or is it Camilla? It's My- one of those two. Those two were highlights of the book. They oh, the this is why you should read Nona. People. Yeah, you should read Nona because they're just there the entire time. <laughs> I've got better things to do. I've I've also got a huge freaking stack of books that I have to read. Also, you would have to read Harrow first, and Harrow I think is genuinely a bad book. So, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. Um, so what's yours, Kevin? So mine was a audiobook, or I got it as an audiobook. Uh, it's Caver- uh, Caverns and Creatures. Um, which in the audiobook is books one to four. It's a D and D ripoff. Um, I couldn't have guessed. <laughs> yep. the The premise is is that it's this group of players meet up with this weird GM who uh, manages to turn them into their characters and send them into his D and D game where he is the DM, uh, which sounds neat and it's supposed to be funny and irrelevant or irre- irreverent. Sorry, not irrelevant. Uh, I'll take irrelevant as well, honestly. <laughs> Sounds uh, like from you, but it actually it's, was irrelevant. It's supposed to be funny. Um, I just i i had to stop after like an hour of listening to it because i i didn't like the characters. I didn't feel like they had earned their comeuppance in getting sent into the game because I felt like the DM was being as massive of like they were treating him like he was being a massive dick, and he was. 
So it was like, <laughs> it, it. I didn't feel like, oh, they're getting rightfully punished for being a dick to this guy. It's like, he's being like super cringe. Yeah. And, uh, and then the, the stuff that happens to their characters, even in that first bit, I'm like, I just don't care. Like they, they don't even like turn into fun murder hobos. You know what I mean? Like, cause they've, they've been playing this caverns and creatures for years as a group. Uh, and so there, I like I wasn't even running into the dynamic of oh suddenly I'm my own person and I have to think about this shit. Um, there's still like dice rolls that happen somehow. <laughs> uh, they're not just like transported into the world. They are, but like uh, then like the action pauses to do a dice roll whenever they do anything. So I just I I did not like it. Oh yeah, that sounds kind of like a train wreck of a mess. It it got a ton of good reviews. So, and it was like, hey, it's one credit for like 70 hours of, you know, audiobook. I'm like, okay. At this point, don't be tricked by that. I fell into that with the false hero. That was fucking terrible. And like, I get that for a lot of those omnibuses. I had another one that I listened to um, that I actually, I did like the, it was like books one through five. And I did like the first book, but then it they, they changed. And I was like, all right, now I'm, now I'm not liking the series as much. But usually those don't have good reviews if they suck. And this one had like stellar reviews, not just like, oh, these are like pretty decent. Like this was a ton of people saying, I love this thing. And I was like, eh, I didn't. Oh, well, wasted a credit. That's why it's disappointing, not bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my most disappointing shouldn't be in a fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me sort of thing. But at the end of last year, I reread Lord of the Rings. Like, man, this is really good. Like, <laughs> people like are unnecessarily mean on Tolkien. His world building's really good. He oh, barely no. spends any time talking about trees. You didn't read <laughs> the Cimmerillion, did you? I had it read to me, and I and like oh. like I said, I did it at work. And sometimes at work, I have to read things, and it's annoying because like I can't focus on the audiobook at the same time. But this time, but re- but reading the Cimmerillion, it was a relief. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny because uh, I gave my brother-in-law a copy of the Cimmerillion this year because he really wanted it. Um, I'm like, this is on on your head, be it. <laughs> uh, I'd like. I mean, it's, to be. To it's be not fair, even Tolkien's to... fault. He didn't want to publish it. That that's it's, exactly. It's that's just always... DM notes. That's... <laughs> it's not stuff that was supposed to be published. Like, I totally understand why the Cimmerillion is such a disaster. It's because it's like this is shit that was never supposed to be published. Well, and it would even, like, um, I could have seen he was working on the Cimmerillion, like, he was working on a novel like it, and it's like, yeah, here's a bunch of DM notes, but it's like, maybe he had thrown some of the shit away, or wasn't going to use it, or, you know, would have actually turned it into something, and not just, well, let me just put all of these notes together and call it a book. Yeah. (laughs) But that's not how, that's not how books work, even with notes. No, or else, uh... Robert Jordan's widow wouldn't have had to hire Brandon Sanderson to finish the Wheel of Time. Oh, um, also speaking on that, um, it wasn't a book series I read recently, but there's um, the first book is called Sephiroth's Hand by Melissa McPhail, uh, who uh, passed away. And um, I recently found out that her essentially editor in chief is going to finish the the novel series for. Oh, shit. I have Sephiroth's Hand on my phone. Mm -hmm. I've listened to it. Yeah. Uh, The the books are really good. but uh, I found out this year that she made a post that's like, hey, I'm going to try and finish. I was initially they were just going to try and make one more book to finish it. And she's like, now I'm going to try and finish the series. So it's going to be probably another two. Um, and she's like, because I, you know, I talked to Melissa about a ton of stuff 
you know, they were they were friends more than just colleagues. That seems uh, to track with the editor author relationship mm-hmm. from what I've understood. So I'm intrigued about that as just a interesting bit of book news because they were I think there's four, maybe five uh, Path of Light and Shadow. That's the name of the series. That again, it's like that uh, Malazan, like ancient civilization, super deep lore, cool, cool mystic nonsense happening in the background while you're going through the story. From what I vaguely remember, you might actually like it, Tyler. Yeah, it's no, good. it sounds pretty good. It's just, been, I think it's been a couple of years since I listened to Sephiroth's hand. Yeah, because they they're they're a bit old. I think the second one wasn't on Audible when I tried to pick it up, or I just didn't look. I'm I don't remember. They I I listened to them all on Audible. Zach, what's our third category? Let's go with movies. Zach, what's your best movie of the year? It's Godzilla uh, minus one. I so hard wanted Godzilla minus one not to be my best movie because it's the only interesting movie I saw this year. But it's not fair to not call it the best movie I saw just because there's nothing interesting I saw this year. That movie rules so hard. <laughs> Godzilla minus one is freaking fantastic as a as a movie and like all the stuff it's exploring and going into and whatnot. It's I'm really happy great. I saw it with you, Zach, because I knew it was a period piece, but I didn't know how period it was or how exactly in your lane it was. Oh, it's right after World War II. Like, they're still rebuilding. The, the main guy is a former surviving kamikaze pilot. So that plays pretty heavily into his character. The way you phrase that sentence, they are making a bionic man. That is. <laughs> <laughs> I did look it up because I was I was that, that, that plane. I also looked up that plane. Oh, I didn't look the plane up. Oh, okay. Um, I looked up the Yukikaze. Oh, gotcha. It was a lucky ship, and it was not scrapped. It was actually given to the Chinese until 1966. Well, and it, then it was scrapped. In Godzilla it continuity, it was given back to the Japanese, and Godzilla threw it at Tokyo. No, Yukikaze didn't get thrown at Tokyo. Oh, that's which the one, one they're on? That's the one they're on board. Oh, okay. Which one is the that, one that gets thrown at Tokyo? I don't remember the one that they're actually on board at the end. That's the flagship. That's the Yukikaze. The most interesting thing I found was that uh, the director was listing his inspirations because I was really curious if he was going to say Godzilla 2 because I thought there was a lot of that in it. it. That was not on his list, but Jaws was. And I was like, oh, God, this movie is what if Godzilla was Jaws? It's so fucking oh, obvious man. now. <laughs> You're right. I mean, it's also the I think the first it's one of the first Godzilla movies, if not the first where we see a non-nuclear powered Godzilla. Because he pops up in like the first 10 minutes of the movie to absolutely wreck shop of a Japanese outpost that happened to be on the same island. And then he gets nuked. And then he gets nuked and turned into Godzilla as we see him. Like, it's really good. Like, I would really heavily recommend going and seeing that movie. Yeah, excellent. Excellent use of the Godzilla theme, which is what you want. And clearly inspired by One Piece. Spoilers for the end. (laughs) what was your best movie of the year? I can't say, honestly. Uh, I basically can't remember, like, movies specifically. Like, I, I, I watched maybe three movies this year, so I think I'm in the same boat. I, pr- I probably I kind of was in the same place. I just happen to know what they are. <laughs> I watched a, cu- uh, a couple of movies. You know, I rewatched some stuff. Like, I can tell you the most recent stuff I watched was uh, Mission Impossibles 1 through 4, because they were leaving Netflix uh, December 31st. So I was like, well, sure, why not? I like the Mission Impossible movies. They hold up? Yeah. Two is still... I was going to say, two is not a good movie. Two is not a good movie. Two is... It's like a two-hour movie. Uh, It should be a half-hour movie. (laughs) Like, there's a bunch of... There's, like, a scene of him, like, sitting there staring out at, like, a sunset or something for, like, a minute. And it's like, what are we doing here? Like, what is this supposed to convey? (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, why? (laughs) I think I've only ever seen Mission Impossible 3. 
one one is still good uh two is not good but it, it was like i watched it until and then uh um i was getting like what i thought was close to the end and then there was still like 50 minutes left <laughs> in the film i'm like what the hell happens and they were like nothing <laughs> yeah if you're gonna watch all the mission impossible movies you should just instead of watching mission impossible 2 watch any other john woo movie just pick at random and you'll have a better time <laughs> yep what's your best movie tyler what are, godzilla it, minus one okay that's just making sure um by virtue of being the only one i can remember that was good um cocaine bear um look i wanted to see good. that and i look yeah I surprisingly been... good actually um no it was just a fun ride uh from beginning to end there are lots of really good jump scares that are played for laughs um, there's like five of them that you're like, ah, and then and then something really stupid happens immediately after it. It's like it's always great. Um, I don't know. Like I wouldn't go out of my way to go see it or anything. It's just the best movie I can remember having seen this year. So that's fair. Uh, Zach, what's your most interesting movie? So my most interesting movie we actually ended up watching for the podcast, and it's another movie I went and saw with Jeremy this year, and it's gonna it's Five Nights at Freddy's. Really? Like, I, I could not justify calling that interesting. Like that is the thing about that movie is it's exactly the movie I wanted it to be. I paid money to see it, I spent time seeing it, and then and that was all that needed but then I <laughs> did I did record a podcast about it for 40 minutes. Uh but that's all the thinking about that movie I need to do. Well it, it's one of those things that I found it interesting because of some of the like changes that they went ahead and made to to things. The set design and all that stuff was absolutely great, but also the just slight changes that they shifted some things around on and the fact that it's not really a horror movie. That's to like, its, its detriment. It's though, trying to play up like. that it's a horror movie. It's not like I find some of the decisions they made around that movie really interesting. The movie itself is kind of eh. But honestly, it's one of those things where I didn't watch very many movies. That happened to be one of them. And it's more interesting than the one that's disappointing. So, fair. Kevin, what's your most interesting? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't which even have impo- a best. Which, which Mission Impossible is most interesting? <laughs> of the, one, of the we, four that we've I watched. D- we've gone through disappointing for sure. And we'll <laughs> pretend we did best. Which one is most interesting? Of the ones that I watched, uh, definitely four. Uh, Ghost Protocol. Uh, that is the one where it starts being a completely different franchise. Yeah, it starts changing changing up a bunch of stuff. But I really like, uh, so one of the main conceits in 4 is that all of the technology keeps breaking. So it's like, oh, we're going to use the masks. Well, the mask machine breaks. Oh, here's these cool climbing gloves so that you can scale the top of the Burj Dubai. And then one of them immediately breaks and falls off. Uh, well, if I remember that, because that's in the trailers, that's from when he's like 50 stories up. <laughs> Uh, try more like uh, 250. I'm only off by a little bit. <laughs> One digit. But it, it's not just that. It's like literally every piece of tech that they use breaks. Like he's got like a glass cutter thing that almost causes him to fall off the building. Man, they're getting the shit off a of wish or something? That, that's kind of, well, kind of the idea is they, they enact ghost protocol. So the, the IMF, uh, like the entire IMF is dissolved. So it's like, all right, it's the four of us and this train car full of gear is all that's left at the moment. And then there's like silly things where even though the gear doesn't break, like he's got this cool um, screen that's got a camera behind it that tracks the, uh, the eyes of the guard looking at it to, put an image of what the camera sees so that they can move this screen forward. Um, and it just looks like, you know, an empty hallway, even though they're standing behind this silver screen. And, uh, 
Simon Pegg's character has this uh, little clicker thing that makes it sound like there's water dripping somewhere to get the guard to turn around. But there's a moment where he stands up right in front of the camera. So it's just his face on the screen <laughs> as the guard is like coming out of a door. And so uh, Tom Cruise like shoves him out of the way quickly and they're both staring at him like, did he notice that some dude's giant fucking head was down this hallway? <laughs> but it, like it, it is when it starts becoming a, a, a bit of a different franchise. Um, you know, it starts being a lot more fun, a lot more actiony. Three was still pretty actiony. Um, three is definitely when that change actually starts, but like yes. four is when they're like, okay, we can just do this. Yeah. And then I am going to go rewatch through Rogue Nation and Fallout, and then I need to see Reckoning Part 1. <laughs> Wait, can movies stop being Part 1? That'd uh, be great. My uh, most interesting movie is going to be Violent Night, which did come out in 2022, but I watched it in 2023. The movie that's described if What If Santa was in a Die Hard, which <laughs> it kind of is, but it's more like what if every Christmas movie was happening at once and it was more violent than it needed to be? Because <laughs> it's definitely... What if Santa was in a Die Hard, but also the kid is doing a Home Alone while Santa is doing the Die Hard, and there's a surprising amount of Elf in there for a movie <laughs> about Santa doing a Die Hard, and a little bit of Love Actually, and a little bit of Miracle on 34th Street. It's everything you want, only a lot more blood than you probably want in a Christmas movie, but not if you're me. Uh, Tyler, what do you have for most interesting movie? Mostly because I thought it was really interesting from like a cinematography perspective. I watched Troll Hunter for the first time this year. Um, That's which, like Guillermo del Toro, the, the thing, TV right? show. No, it's a it's a mockumentary about a guy who lives in Sweden whose job is hunting trolls. Okay, sorry. So Troll Hunters is the is the show that Zach and I were thinking of, which is the Guillermo del Toro. Oh, okay. Uh, show. Well, that sounds rad. That like, I did not know it that is existed. awesome. It's on. It's on netflix um but uh, anyway going yeah, back no, to the, your movie yeah no it's a, it's a swedish mockumentary about a guy who hunts trolls like for the government basically and these people mm. are like well this is weird like what why why is all this weird stuff happening and they end up tracking him down and he's like oh yeah i hunt trolls and they're like bullshit so they follow him around for the day and almost get killed by a bunch of trolls he's like i told you i hunt trolls i, thought <laughs> <laughs> I hunt trolls um, i've never seen one that's how you know i'm doing my job <laughs> it's I find it really interesting mostly because all the, like, mockumentaries I've watched uh, on this vein that are, like, semi-serious, semi-comedy um, are all-American-made, and this one is Swedish-made, and it's got very different, like, opinions about how a movie should be made um, that are kind of subtle. Like, it's a little bit jarring to watch, um, but I think that's just because it wasn't made in America, so. That's fair. The, the main Swedish movie that I know is uh, Let Me In, I think is the name of it. That might be the... That I might it was be the last American house name. on the left. No, it it it's the vampire one, the the young vampire girl. Uh, I let thought me that was last house on the left. Last house on the left is a very different movie. It might have a different uh, English Swedish I, translation. I shouldn't horror, say a very different movie, but it's they're both horror movies. But one is a seventies. Oh no, this is so violent. Think about the children watching this rated R movie sort of movie. Whereas let the uh, let me in is a vampire movie and is probably the one you're thinking about, but not called but the right. Well, Last House on the Left. Yeah. Uh, what's your most disappointing movie, Zach? My most disappointing movie, because I watched it this year, was actually Dragon Ball Superheroes. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that movie. That was disappointing. I was hoping it'd be better. Now, watching Piccolo go ahead and do like the whole like covert thing, and some of the stuff with Pan was actually really funny. That part but... was great, but there's also the part where Piccolo turns orange. Yeah, there's the, <laughs> the part where Piccolo turns orange, Cell pops up again for reasons... 
So Gohan can fight him. So so Gohan can fight him and get ten foot tall hair. I watch an animation of that, and Piccolo's like, Gohan, it's perfect! Picks him up and uses him as a spear against Cell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know Super Saiyans have, like, the, the tall hair, but Beast Gohan, like, it's seriously, like, four or five feet high. It's like, what if Super Saiyan 3, but was sticking up? <laughs> Super Saiyan 3 with a lot more gel. So, it's it's a it's a unit of Dragon Ball Super... It ain't great, like, it does do a nice thing where, like, Goku doesn't come in at the end and save the day. He is with Brawly, Vegeta, and Beerus on their planet, completely removed from the plot. So, it's like, okay, cool, the rest of the cast, like, Gohan gets to do some shit, it's just, unfortunately, he has to deal with this. So, eh, would not recommend... Unless you're an absolute diehard Dragon Ball van- fan, but at that point, why are you watching this movie and not just rewatching Z? Or reading it. Reading Bong is good. Kevin, what's your most disappointing movie? It's Mission Impossible, Impossible 2. 2. We already talked oh, about right. it. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, uh, this is where I wish we were doing worst movie, So, because I'd way rather talk about how bad The Flash was, but I knew that movie was going to be very bad, so I was not actually disappointed by it. Oh, yeah, they did release that, didn't they? Yeah, the superhero movie, the theme of which is sometimes you just got to give up. <laughs> I'm like, I, honestly, I think sometimes you need to watch more shonen anime everyone who made this movie I honestly thought they'd permanently shelve that because of all the controversies surrounding the lead actor I mean they should have it's a bad movie and a bad actor which is weird well it's just it's weird on uh, how many other shows or how many other movies got shelved uh, and somehow that but one made that it through one, yeah, yeah. Someone, <laughs> somehow that one made it through and everyone's like what? I would wager they spent way more money on it than the ones that they shelved. But my most disappointing movie is sadly going to be The Marvels. The premise of that movie is great, and I don't know if it's a writing problem or an editing problem, but the scenes just are not together in the right order at all. None of the emotional moments land. Like, you can see the good movie that's in there. Unfortunately, they didn't make it. There are also just some wild choices, like having a flashback to the entire plot of the first Captain Marvel movie, but assuming you have watched WandaVision and Miss Marvel and not telling you anything about what happened in them. Yeah, that's that's probably a pretty poor choice, given that I don't think most people have watched either of those other I, two movies. Well, those aren't movies, they're TV shows. On Disney Plus, if I remember correctly. Yeah, which is like fine to, but if you're going to flashback to one, I feel like you need to flashback to all three, honestly. And like, if you're watching a theatrical movie, I feel like the one you're most likely to have seen is the other theatrical movie. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was kind of more of my thought is like, that's the one people are most likely to have seen. And like, I have seen WandaVision and was kind of like, man, I could kind of like a, a, like just a little bit of a recap on what her deal was there. Because I remember she was in it and got her powers, but that's all I remember. Oh, wow. That's really freaking random. I remember the game that was actually the most interesting for me. It was It was Marvel Midnight Suns. Oh, that game's fun. Is that the phone game? No, it's no. a it's a PC game. It's kind of got a deck building element. That's why it. I it's like a resource management deck builder type of thing. Okay. Uh, what's your most disappointing movie, Tyler? Um, I remembered that I watched it while we were going around, and I'm so glad I did because it's both my most disappointing and the worst um, at the same time. Um, so I watched uh, a critically acclaimed horror film this year called Barbarian. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Really? I wanted to... 
Wh- which one is that? Because I know I wanted to watch. That is that sounds the, familiar. Is that the, the Airbnb one? Yep. Okay. So the first half of the movie, super tense, extremely well done. If the rest of the movie had followed up on, on the initial premise as well as it was, or as well as it had been for the first half of the movie, would have been great. The second half of the movie just evolves into Looney Tune-ass shenanigans. There's a point where the monster, who is just a regular human woman, um, rips someone literally in half and throws him through a concrete wall, and then bursts through the same concrete wall like the Kool-Aid man. Um, <laughs> that sounds great. Well, it's uh, been weakened because she threw somebody through it already. No, so my, my problem is the the wild tonal dissonance. dissonance. It's like, like, it's also got this, like, chimp thing that keeps happening that, like, doesn't play into the movie at like one kid was traumatized as a child because a chimpanzee went crazy and murdered a bunch of people and like so, so it has the part in nope in it yeah exactly <laughs> it has exactly the part in nope in it um uh, maybe i'm just thinking of nope never mind um <laughs> uh, never mind um uh, no i i don't know like i don't the two halves of the movie don't stick together very well and they're very tonally dissonant and like all tension just like for the entire second half of the movie half of the movie is just gone it just turns into like looney tune action nonsense um i don't know i didn't like it a lot of people love it because it it gets really goofy and they're like it's satire i'm like the first half of the movie sure as hell isn't satire i think they just made two different movies and lost the thread uh, somewhere i don't know like for it to be particularly good satire you really have to set it up so that when you knock it down they they don't they don't delivery. knock down what they set up is the problem. They knock Sounds down like they, some... did. they set up an interesting horror movie and knock down a concrete wall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess uh, Kevin, it is your category. It is my category for eight hundred. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's do anime. Uh, Ooh, this ought to be fun. So I have not actually watched that much anime. I also tapped out of anime this year and had to script, but but I came prepared. Yep. So the best anime I watched this year was Dress Up Darling, which I know is not new by any stretch of the imagination. I need to watch that. Finally watched season one, and there should be a season two coming out at some point. I have it on Blu-ray, so I... Um, (laughs) But it was just, it was really cute and sweet and very fun, so I really liked watching Dress Up Darling this year. Yeah, I watched the first couple episodes back when it was first airing and was like this is awesome and then just never followed up for some reason that was my reaction to it too i'm like oh this is awesome this is so cute and then just was like well guess i'm not gonna watch the rest of this for now yep i did also uh this isn't best uh, I mean, it was good but i finally finished uh fruits basket the new fruits basket this year as well oh, yeah i forgot that was a thing mm. Okay, internet, don't be mad at me, but I haven't watched Free Ren. I promise to get caught up on it, but I have not watched it, so it can't I, be my best. I have also not watched it, which is also why it it, it can't be up uh, there. So I'll be who I am and say Witch for Mercury. <laughs> Did you watch that? Was that yeah, this the, year? The second half. The okay, second gotcha. half of the season was this year. The second core, the second season, whatever they called it. The part where it ended suddenly. They call it two, they, they call it two different things depending on the series. It's really weird and it's really fucking annoying. Tyler, what's your best anime of the year? Uh, Runner-up for best was uh, season two of Mushiko Tensei. Was rad. Um, even though it's the entire season is just focusing in on, on him fixing his erectile dysfunction. That sounds like it should be awful, but it's great, it turns out. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I haven't watched it, but I've read all of... not. I've not read the latest volume of Mushiko Tensei, but I've read all of Mushiko Tensei, so I know what's going on. And at some point, I will probably watch season two. Yep. I mean, it maintains all the quality from season yeah. one, so you will not be disappointed. Uh, my actual best, though, is Free Run. Um, it's rad. Holy crap, it's such a good show. <laughs> Free Run is amazing. It's my it, it's my best anime as well. I don't think I've seen a 
like for TV anime animated this well, like ever. I this is the only series I've ever watched where I'm like, damn, they clearly spent a lot of time animating that dude putting on his coat. Yeah, well, I should watch it and see how it compares to like ReZero, because I know you haven't watched that, and that's what I think as the, oh, why, why did you animate it this good? We didn't deserve it. And, uh, <laughs> so. I do have a runner-up, and that's Shy. I really like Shy, because in both of them are dealing with very interesting themes. Like, Free Run, it's all about, like, loss and, the, and her journey and whatnot. So it's got a lot of really cool stuff there, but also she's a hilariously powerful mage my as well as being the most smug like sleepy elf you've ever seen <laughs> my favorite line from that is they're negotiating with someone and fern just turns to free and is like but our entire party is made up of socially awkward people uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love that. what's your most interesting anime kevin so my most interesting anime i watched was eminence and shadow sadly could not watch that on crunchyroll because it's not there it's on high dive yep Apparently there's it's a like season two. Fly, it's like they're yeah, it's it's airing this season. Uh Eminence in Shadow is like their current big draw. Like that's the one they're pushing mm-hmm. because Oshinoko is not running anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it it season ended and then the other one, which was the night into the night? No, that's that doesn't mm-hmm. sound right. Anyway, yeah, that's their big one right now. I really like Eminence in Shadow because uh so the main character gets Isekai'd into another world. But, uh, so when he was in his original world, uh, he was actually like, he's just strangely competent at everything that he does. A lot of it was, he did a lot of training, uh, and his goal was to become what he called the eminence and shadow. He wanted to basically be the secret power behind the throne kind of thing of like, I wanted to be the guy that looks like a supervillain, but is actually like controlling the world from the shadows. Yeah. He wants to be the evil vizier. Sort of, only he doesn't want to be evil. He just, like, he looks like he's evil. But he, like, he's actually a good guy. Uh, he just wants to be the guy controlling the world from the shadows. But the thing that I really like about it is that uh, he comes, when he gets isekai he's like, oh shit, magic is real now. This is awesome. Uh, and becomes, you know, again, really competent at it because he's a, you know, five-year-old who just trains like crazy to unlock his magic. Uh, and he ends up rescuing some slaves. And uh, he starts, like, playing a game where he's like, all right, uh, cool, I'll treat this like an RPG. Um, we got to come up with um, a cult. Uh, it's, <laughs> and so he, like, he invents this cult. He's like, it's a, it's a cult of the, um, the Dread God. Mm-hmm. They're trying to resurrect the Dread God. I don't remember if that's the name or not. Uh, but, like, they're trying to resurrect the Dread God. So there's this cult of the Dread God. We got to seek them out, and we're going to chase them down and eradicate them. That's going to be our mission. And he's like, all right, cool, they'll play along with this. It turns out this is true. There actually is a cult trying to resurrect the dread god. And he he uh the the great thing is that he still thinks it's a joke. He thinks all the girls that he's saved are just playing with him, like playing along with him because they're nice people. He's like, man, these girls are so nice that like, you know, they're just playing along with the fact that like I want to be this cool, like, you know, I want to be this cool edgelord who's ruling from the shadows, so they're just like going along with it and like come up with these things, but he actually is fighting them. It's just, it's so funny, the contrast of he's actually one of the strongest people on the planet, but doesn't think he is. He's just like, you know, he's like, ah, oh, man, it was so cool that they found that dude to play play this antagonist for me. This is something that I actually think you would enjoy, Tyler. 
Yeah. Uh, so I'm re- I, I need to see season two because I hadn't realized that it started coming out uh, this winter season. Uh, the main reason I found out about it was uh, he has a move um, where he goes, I am atomic, like in English. Uh, and it, like the, the VA work for it is is really interesting. And then he you know proceeds to explode like an atomic bomb. Because <laughs> one of the things is uh, he's like, I in the old world, I tried to be, become the strongest ever, but no human could possibly survive an atomic bomb. So I decided to become the atomic bomb <laughs> in this one. It's it's really neat. Uh, my most interesting is going to be Hell's Paradise, just because I was real. That was something I really wanted to get in anime when we read it, and mm-hmm. enough time passed that I was pretty sure it wasn't going to. So it was real nice to see it. I hope that creator gets more chances in manga because I cannot remember what his most recent Shonen Jump series was called right now. But God, was he robbed when that was canceled? Ayashiman. Uh, yeah. Ayashiman, yeah. Which was about what if all yokai were like mob bosses because they needed money to f- uh, survive in the human world, and they like <laughs> literally consumed it by being here. Yeah, like was... they literally need to eat wealth. And yeah, then that's again, kind of rad. Uh, my favorite bit in that is the bit where uh, he's he's learning how to fight spirits by learning how to punch the spirit of fire. So he's got this teacher who's training him how to punch fire, and then. Later on, he's like walking around town and there's a building on fire and he hears people inside. And so he goes to he goes to help and it cuts to later where the firefighters are talking to the little girl. um, And she's like, you know, oh, yeah, this man came in and saved me. And like, oh, he pulled you out of the building. No, he beat up the fire (laughs) is what she says. And they're like, oh, that's cute. You know, like, you know, like, ah, that's just a kid's silly imagination. But that's legitimately what happened is because that's. Like, that's how he learned how to do the punching the spirit of the fire. So he literally showed up and beat up the fire until it went out. Yeah, Japanese readers have no taste getting that series canceled. And I, I really hope he gets some more chances. Hell's Paradise was great. And Ayashiman was, was even better, I thought. And then it was taken from us too soon. Yeah. Tyler, what's your most interesting? Um, I did not watch a whole lot of anime this year. So I guess by default, the most interesting was Hunter Hunter. Um, <laughs> did you watch the good one or the bad one? The, the new one? The new one is the good one. Okay. <laughs> did you watch all of it? All like 170 no, episodes or um, whatever? I am through. I just finished the Phantom Troop in York New City. Okay. Which was a rad arc, and I love that Hisoka gets cock blocked at the end of it. <laughs> so <laughs> funny. All right. This is it. I finally get to have the showdown with you. All of my powers are sealed. And like, just draw some gray out. Like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. I literally gave up all of this shit to come fight you, and you can't even fight? God damn it. Oh no, I love Hunter Hunter because there's just like, there's so much like weird political intrigue and like so much like focus on the minutia of like, how do I not die in this exact moment? Um, it's a really fun show. Hunter Hunter is great. Uh, Zach, what's your most interesting anime? Uh, my most interesting anime is the run-up for my best anime. It's Shy. Um, I really like the way they went about like making that one. There is like the the big bad of the first season is actually the dead parent of like her more experienced colleague, and basically all of the like superheroes because in this world like there are superheroes for each country. Each one that were shown in the first season has something wrong with them. That's the wrong way to put that. But they each have, like, there's something about them. Yeah, they each one of them has trauma. That's a better way to put it. Like, the girl who I, I legitimately thought, until we actually found, like, met her, was going to be from America. Because 
she's in the opening and she has two guns. Come on, what's more American than that? <laughs> she's missing both of her legs below the knee. So, like, there's that, but she also goes out and, like, goes hiking and stuff because just to prove people she can. Shy is the Japanese hero. She is shocking. Very shy. I was going to say, she's extremely outgoing. But uh. the uh, big fight at the end is actually her veteran colleague spirit versus her mom basically spirit versus her own mother like it's a very interesting weird show but i actually really liked it mainly free run is still a lot better and the animation's a lot better which is why it went up above but like again shy exploring some themes that probably need to be explored for a lot of people and uh, so I thought they did a pretty good job, and I quite enjoyed it. So I wanted to talk about it. Uh, Kevin, what is your most uh, disappointing, disappointing, disappointing anime? Uh, so I don't actually have one this year because I didn't watch that much anime, uh, and everything that I did watch was actually really good. You know, it's like, oh, I finished Fruits Basket and watched uh, Eminence in Shadow and watched um, My Dress Up Darling. Yeah, Dress Up Darling. And like, and then I like rewatched Tsukimichi Moonlit Fantasy that's getting its season two. Oh, I'm so excited for that! Yeah, so like every this first win- the winter season is going to be fire. Yep, yeah, the everything that I watched I actually really enjoyed. So I can't I I literally can't call any of them disappointing. Even the one technically might be my like has to be my most disappointing. Uh, none of them were. I'm in a similar boat, and even if I had watched season three of Shield Hero, could I really, with a straight face, call it disappointing <laughs> when I would have basically been hate watching it? But I'm gonna go with the uh, Konosuba spinoff because Konosuba has been done for three years. Can we get season three? There's no reason for you to delay it anymore. The source material is done. Fun Why fact: are we... I know we're getting this it. Year. Yeah, but I like... think it's actually in winter. But the again, the source material has been done for three years, so. Why, why is it taking so long? Why did we get a Megumin spinoff? No one asked for this. It was fine. Uh, Tyler, what's your dis- most disappointing anime? It's not disappointing because it's bad in any way, but my most disappointing was actually Spy X Family this season. I'm only like four episodes into it, um, but mostly it just like has been hitting with me the same way the first season did, um, and that's just really sad. It's literally just disappointing. I gotcha. Uh, um, yeah, so I, I think this is more of me problem than the show's problem. The, like, the show's been fine. I just, like, I've been not been finding it nearly as entertaining as I did the first season. Zach? Mine is MF Ghost. Now, it's the follow-up to Initial D, and, like, the racing parts of it are actually pretty good. They're well animated, all the cars are accurate, but, man, do they spend an awful lot of time perving on the female cast, one of which is explicitly underage, and then we spent way too much time with this one random dude who isn't even in the first race. So we join, it's a 12 12 episode anime. The first three episodes are qualifying. I think it's three, it might be even four. And then the next six are the race. And the last two are setting up for the next race. Man, did they waste a lot of time with characters that we don't really care about. (laughs) Now, part of the issue is that it is a, you know, it's a bigger race than the initial D ones because it's it's a multi-lap, like a long ass race with, like 12 cars you got to kind of show each one of them so that we know what's going on with the race the problem is since you spend all this time on all this other stuff like with all the cars you kind of can't be wasting all this extra time with the female cast just to put in these perv shots basically so it's like my god you're using your time so poorly here 
Think of the people in North Carolina that can't get to porn sites anymore because of dumb laws, though, Zach. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even sure that would do it for you. <laughs> um, all right. I think that's all the big ones we do, but there are a few more I think we want to talk about. I want to do TV shows, by which I mean streaming shows. No one watches TV. Uh, my best is Scott Pilgrim takes off because man, yeah, it's rad. Uh, a lot of people will call that anime, and like that's fine if you want to. I disagree. But really, what it made me think of is like, can you imagine? Like, there's a ton of anime that comes out every season, right? And most of it is shit. Can you imagine if we got like three or four shows every three months, like on the level of Scott Pilgrim that were animated shows? Like, for adults. It would be amazing. Yeah. I would love that. <laughs> yeah, like, even if you had some that missed or weren't for everybody, like, there's just so much quality to it. Like, if you have any interest at Scott, in Scott Pilgrim at all, you should watch it. Does anyone else want to do um, I would. Shows? I would like to shout out specifically uh, Our Flag Means Death Season 2 was awesome. I don't Buttons... think I watched any streaming shows this year. Buttons turned himself into a seagull. <laughs> uh, I've been watching The Rookie. Which is phenomenal. That one is technically... I've been watching it on Hulu. But That's the Nathan Fillion one. The Nathan right? Fillion one where he is a 40-year-old uh, rookie cop in LA um, and having to deal with that. But it's like it's nice because uh, it seems to be that they actually like kind of focus on sort of correct police procedure. Like, I'm sure they probably get some stuff wrong, but like they actually kind of focus on this is how you would like legitimately do it. Like People aren't just like rolling up and shooting at people kind of, you know, like that isn't how cops do things at all. And they have to deal with like, you know, uh, internal affairs stuff and all this other, like, uh, you know, they've got body cam footage and various things like that, but it's, I'm on, I'm in the middle of season three. Yeah. A middle of season three of it. Uh, and that's been good. Uh, most interesting for me is one piece from Netflix. We got a live action anime adaptation that doesn't suck. And, that like expectations were high for and that I'm really bad at doing a podcast about, but that I want to do a podcast about. Oh yeah, you should probably watch at least one more episode of that. Did you ever finish it? Yes, I did finish it. And like I have lots of feelings on the changes they made, but also like I, I just I a want version to know of one piece are. that you can we can talk about it after yep. or another time. But like there's a w- version of one piece that's only eight episodes. That's you know, it's not as good as one piece, but it's pretty good. Yeah, I still liked the show overall. Uh, I just, I, I have, I feel some ways about some of the changes at the end as well. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a matter of how they spend their time, right? I yeah. feel like, like, it's not that the changes they made were bad. It's like, you could have done a good version of Arlong Park, but you wasted time doing this instead. Yeah. There's that, um, you know, uh, I personally think that they, they gave Don Creed, Don Creed the dirty. They, they, they did and they didn't. We can talk about it yeah. another time. Uh, I like what they did with Don Krieg because they did. They didn't write him out, but they wrote him out. That's that's <laughs> that is fair. At least he does actually show up. Uh, anyone else have any interesting TV? Nope. I, I have a disappointing, but no. I don't think I like I said. I don't think I've watched anything streaming this year besides that one episode of the One Piece anime, uh, a live action adaptation. Man, is that awkward? Uh, well, well, we can, when Netflix makes their new One Piece anime, we can call that the anime adaptation of the live action Netflix, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, most disappointing for me is Secret Invasion, a show I watched uh, fifth or ninety uh, percent of the first episode of, and I was like, I'll finish this later, and everyone's like, don't bother. So I didn't. <laughs> Not to beat up on Marvel too much, but what's your most disappointing, Tyler? Uh, so I've been watching this horror anthology series for a while called Slasher. Um, it was on Netflix, and then it got picked up by some other thing. Shutter. Yeah, actually, it was on Shutter, and then it got picked up by Netflix. I think. 
Uh, whatever, whatever the case, the most recent season was like borderline unwatchable. Um, it was like Victorian era, but like all the costuming was like the shoddiest I have ever seen. The plot was really dumb. You saw like the ending was like a million mile view. I don't know. It was just really bad. I, I, I didn't like it very much. Uh, I have two more categories I want to do, but does anyone else have another one before we do mine? No, I'm good. Uh, manga, real quick. Best manga of the year, One Piece, two years in a row. This is maybe the best year for... This is this is the best year for One Piece in years. Mm-hmm. It might be the best year for One Piece ever. It's like, there w- was there a bad chapter of One Piece this year, Kevin? No, not a bad one. There were... The worst it got was... Uh, I don't know. That was mostly okay. I have a manga at my house. I haven't read it yet. Actually, uh, I have a couple, but I just haven't read them. I, I haven't done very much actual reading recently. Also, between the Netflix show, it was just super exciting to be a One Piece fan. This, the year where I feel like the American audience caught up to One Piece. Like, One Piece has always been, like, less popular than Naruto and Bleach, and I've always understood why, but always been, like, a bit, like, sad about it. But, like, this feels like the year where One Piece is as popular as it could have been, finally. Yeah. And I tricked Tyler into where, uh, reading it, finally. Yep, and it's rad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also, also in One Piece news, uh, I watched, or I guess listened to... The uh, One Piece D and D podcast, uh, and they're now on their uh, second core, which is One Piece D and D Marines. Uh, so the first, the first like seventy episodes, they're pirates, and then the story ends, and then they, with all the same guys, come back and do it as Marines. Now <laughs> that's which, actually really fun. Yeah, it's a, it, they're actually really fun. They come out like every other week. Uh, it's like hour hour and fifty minute ish uh, YouTube videos. One of the guys in it, uh, Teching 101, is this crazy One Piece fan that just puts out a bunch of One Piece, like, content, like, you know, hey, here's me talking about the, you know, the anime, like, each episode of the anime for, or each episode of the live action for, like, two hours. I, it is also the year I got super sick and deep in theory One Piece, and that is, that is a, uh iceberg i have fallen down now <laughs> and, and, and youtube knows it's like do you want this terrible one piece video i'm like please keep it to the okay ones youtube uh also tyler because we keep n- not quite talking about arlong park that is the arc where luffy kicks a mob a racist mob boss so hard his house falls down and it's not even <laughs> in the top five things that happen in that arc <laughs> <laughs> most disappointing mo- or i'm sorry uh, most interesting manga tenmaku cinema what if there was a manga about making a movie? It would be pretty good for 20 chapters and then get canceled. That's one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's completely fair. Do you, you have any thoughts on most interesting manga, Kevin? I'm trying to think of... Um, no, Tenmaku is probably up there. Yeah, really. Uh, of of the... You know, there's all the classics and stuff that we've been really enjoying, but none of it, none of it's really stood out. Yeah, nothing of it's like, oh man, you haven't heard of this, and I should tell you about it. Yep. Most disappointing manga, I believe, also a repeat champion, My Hero Academia. Get your <laughs> shit together, please. They God. figured out the perfect thing to do with Bakugo in the final arc, and it's boring as hell. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that that's been a lot of the scenes of. Uh, all right, so this, you know, like ah, uh, this is a like a. Uh, maybe one of the final scenes with uh, All Might. I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> all right, then the, here's this thing happened with Bakugo. I don't give a shit. I should give a shit. I should care a lot. Why don't I give a shit? Can't stop twinkling. Use lasers so we can see how hot Invisible Girl is, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, if all of these sound rad, it's because they should and they don't, which makes it that much worse. 
uh, fucking Stain jumps into the fight between All for One and All Might to save All Might, and it's fine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, just from that, that sounds rad. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it all like it's because it's like, oh, this the blurb sounds rad, and there's like, but what actually happened? No, just that. Uh, all for One gave himself an exsanguination quirk in case he had to fight Stain, and it's. Fine. <laughs> That's honestly probably the best thing that happened in My Hero recently was the stain thing. And like they even set it up because it, you know, it wasn't just like I have this ability. It's like, well, when you didn't follow me when I broke everyone else out of prison, I decided I needed to have a backup plan again. So I'm like, okay, that's like a legitimate thing that could have happened. Like, no, stain won't follow me. So I'm going to need some way to deal with him. Oh, I know. I'll make it so that I can just remove all of my blood from my body. Because that's how his quirk works, is he drinks your blood. He's like, ha-ha, fool, I don't have any. <laughs> uh, I, I do also have a most disappointing manga. Shoot. Um, because I've only read two manga this year, and one of them was Demon Slayer. And you're and not a Demon Slayer guy? I am just, I feel it like. makes the, me sad. I feel like the art's super janky. I don't like any of the characters. The story's really mad. I like the weird powers. The weird powers are awesome. Uh, the, what, the, what do you think of the like villain flashbacks after death? Because that is, to me, the most interesting and signature piece of Demon Slayer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I feel like I've seen it before. Okay. I don't know. Just, <laughs> I, I feel like... I'm sad you're I not feel, a Demon Slayer guy, but I do. there are a, a lot of people who think like you, so... Yeah. I on a, it's one of my favorite, and I really like. Well, and that's why it. I was hoping. That's why I was the most disappointed. Is both of you think really highly of it, and yeah. like I, I thought it was. Yeah. And that's understandable. What is so not, funny, Zach? I'm sorry. I just was. Uh, I was reminded of a meme that was just uh, Tanjiro doing his like. Oh, I have to like you know come for the demon in death and free run just kill yourself. <laughs> I want to do comics real quick. I read comics between 1967 and 1973 this year. Slowing down. Uh, best comic somehow forever people forever people sucks but the uh, Happy Land story is great. That's when uh, Darkseid has a theme park where he tortures people and all the adults tell the children, "Oh no, it's just screams of excitement." But it is torture just going on under roller coasters <laughs> and behind like theme park things, and it's grad. Most interesting horror comics in the 1970s or in the early 1970s where they're superhero horror comics. So you get Entragon the Demon and Tomb of Dracula and Swamp Thing and Ghost Rider all at once. And they're like horror comics, but in a superhero world and the horror monsters have to be superheroes. It's like all of them are good and it's weird. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Ghost Rider kind of is a horror villain. No, but Ghost Rider is like the most superhero of them. He's just, what if Evil Knievel was a Satan superhero? <laughs> and, and he's just like emo about being powered by Satan while being a superhero. I mean, what I more meant is like, if you run into Ghost Rider and like most other things, Ghost Rider's fucking terrifying. Yeah, well, you same with like Swamp Thing is just the monster from the Black Lagoon, but he's a protagonist. Tomb of Dracula starts out as what if Dracula happened in 1973 and quickly becomes Dracula is the protagonist of the book. No, don't get me wrong. He's still the villain, but he is the protagonist. <laughs> and uh, we're just going to have to make a bunch of people for him to fight like Blade and his grandson. Frank. <laughs> uh, most disappointing. The, uh, the night Gwen Stacy died. It's just not very good. <laughs> Anything else we want to cover? Tyler, you usually have stuff. You, didn't ha- you don't have stuff this year? Yeah, I don't have any random nonsense this year. Yeah, I was actually reflecting on that on the drive over. Like, I did not consume a lot of new stuff this year, so. I think we're all getting old. I mean, I, I'm I opening did quite a business. A bit. <laughs> but yeah, Tyler's opening a business. Um, I'm kind of all over the place and scattered. So that's always a problem. 
Maybe we're just getting old. <laughs> I, I mean, built a lot some, of fun models this year, though. Some of it for me was like I just wasn't watching too much anime. Uh, I like most of my free time was spent watching Twitch streams instead. Here's the thing, Kevin. I don't know what I did because I didn't watch much anime and I didn't watch many movies and I didn't play any video games. <laughs> That's fair. Like I knew I was like uh, I still played a ton of Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, but later in the year, I kind of started falling off, and I would. Uh, so, but like I said, it was just watching Twitch streams, which like. I, I guess I could talk about, but not really, because... We should pair up and do a duo queue at some point in League, if you're playing that again. Probably. I, I have gotten back to playing ARAM. I mean, that's all I'm playing. Yeah. I'd say, I learned five new songs on the guitar this year. That That's what I spend my free time cool. doing. So. That, that's almost a song every other month, which is more than I learned. <laughs> open your presents, they're next to you. Kevin's yours on the floor. Uh, so should, should we distribute the other ones, or are we doing no, this do specifically? First. Okay. <laughs> Oh, why is this so heavy? Yeah, I don't know. I had the same exact <laughs> thought and feeling, especially given how light Kevin's is. Zach, you have a pile of shame. They will help. They will help so much. They changed my life. <laughs> I, so I have, are these the awesome nippers? Yes, they're the exact <laughs> same ones you got me. Jeremy has given me the God Hand nippers that I think Tyler got him last year. Yep. Yes. No, for okay. my birthday, not for last year. For I, I actually was looking at my, uh, my nippers, and I'm like, these should probably be replaced soonish. This looks fucking rad. That's uh, why I got it for you. <laughs> Kevin, your gift sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> is, it, it to... <laughs> is it sad that I was actually legitimately thinking about buying this this See, year? That's why I got it for you. <laughs> See, but, but what? It it burns a it burns a d20 on the toast. That's awesome. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, I legitimately, I was debating buying this. So I'm uh, really sad it doesn't roll a random number. And yeah, I, I am really sad, but it does burn a d20. It or it does burn the. Uh, since the since I don't think you, you mentioned it, it's a D, it's a D and D toaster. Yes, that's um, great. Th- this is a board game about the most magical girl becoming queen at the end of a twenty four hour secret tournament. It's also a deck builder. <laughs> I, I was, the the thing I felt bad about is like, oh man, I just been getting this for Tyler because I want to play it with him. <laughs> yeah, well, um, hey, guess what my present is? Um, so. so, hey, uh, Tyler, I would appreciate it if uh, before we move on, if you just read that text I sent to you, or that Discord message I sent to you at yes. midnight the other <laughs> night. So, so Zach knows what a good friend I am. A dramatic reading would be excellent. Dear Tyler, I write to you with a Christmas conundrum, as you are my older, wiser, better informed man, or a a uh, <laughs> better informed man than me. It is my sincere hope that you can help me with this problem. This year, I purchased a gift for Zach based on a mutual hobby of ours that is both practical and has greatly improved my appreciation of the hobby this year. It is, in fact, the only per- gift I purchased for someone this year that felt like it was not a token of capitalist obligation. However, I worry a sincere and thoughtful gift may not be appropriate for Zach this year, given his predisposition towards mischief and a mention of hatched <laughs> plots in my basement, of which I am unaware. I would not describe the gift I purchased for Kevin this year as a gag gift, but I do feel the best possible reaction may be a genuine chuckle, and perhaps a message in one or two years from now informing me that it came unexpectedly useful. I'm not sure how that is unexpectedly useful. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> because his real toaster broke, and he was uh, like, oh no, yep. I have no- Oh wait! <laughs> Kevin edited about 50 podcasts for me this year, while Zach edited zero. One is clearly more deserving of a token of year's end appreciation. However, it is not too late to rewrap the present intended for Zach for Kevin, and instead purchase Zach a Taylor Swift Christmas album. (laughs) This would give Zach an opportunity to bitch about Taylor Swift, a hobby he inexplicably picked up this year. 
<laughs> I considered buying the same gift for Kevin in the first place, but he's drifted away from the hobby, and as such, I decided against it. So, when he picks it back up again, I'm sure he'll appreciate it. Your Sage Christmas Council would be greatly appreciated in helping me resolve this issue. Your friend and co-hi, Jeremy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been freaking hilarious. <laughs> no, it was fantastic. Um, I did recommend that he did get you the Taylor Swift album. I'm sad that that did not happen. but <laughs> Then I didn't. Just so you know what might have been. <laughs> oh, that would have been hilarious. Uh, do, do we want to do others? Are we doing them on mic? No, that's doing... up to other people. Yeah, it, it is tradition, but we don't have to do it just because we've done it before. Give me one second. I'll dig the other ones out. I thought that you ha- they were right next to you. They are. <laughs> That's why it's only going to take one second. Yeah, that, but with the power of editing, it will be zero seconds or even negative seconds. Negative seconds seems unlikely. I mean, I could loop the track back. <laughs> it just seems like an audio nightmare. Apparently, you're the heavy guy this year, Tyler. I guess. Yeah. So is it because people keep getting me board games? I think is the. <laughs> so, uh, your gift was the most expensive one, Tyler, but only because of the shipping cost. And when I got how heavy it was, I was like, Jesus, no wonder. <laughs> <laughs> We're opening Zach's presents now, microphone people. Oh no! Oh no, Zach! Oh no, Zach! You already have that? Yeah, the problem is it's an awesome game, and I already own it in all the expansions. You know, I would have said I don't want this, but I would have been wrong. <laughs> what is that, it? Well, that, that has a long... <laughs> that, that actually has a story behind it. I, I got a, a Tomoe Mommy to go with my Lacus client and my Lacus client. Fair enough. Uh, no, I do... Good choice. I, I think this is the exact same situation as uh, when I got Jeremy that Power Rangers game. Um. <laughs> yeah, so I, I got uh, Tyler the Isle of Cats. And when I picked it up, I was like, "I this is definitely a Tyler thing, but I'm not sure if he already has this. Yeah, technically Jen and James own it, um, but it's Puzzle Tetris with cats. Uh. Uh, did, did Kevin get an expansion in the game? The expansion on top? Yes. Well, because the expansion is smaller. Yes. I'm confused by this box because it looks like it should be Small World to me, and it definitely isn't. Yeah, no, I have a similar vibe. I don't know why. So yeah, I got Imperial Settlers. Four powers discover new lands full of resources and opportunities. The Romans, Barbarians, Egyptians, and Japanese. They all sent <laughs> Barbarian? Yeah, they all you know, the Germans. settlers to expand the borders of their empires. Soon the area becomes too small for everyone and war begins. Yeah, remember that time Japan was at war with Rome and the <laughs> Barbarians? <laughs> well, I remember yeah. the time when Rome and the Barbarians were at war, so... Imperial Setters is a card game that gives player control over one of four mighty civilizations. There are five rounds to explore new lands, build buildings, produce and trade resources, conquer enemies, and thus score victory points. The Settlers are on their way. Lead them to victory. All right, Zach, tell me a story about Mommy. So, uh, I believe you first mentioned that you were watching Madoka like two years ago? Uh, that, that sounds about right. What, when um, was COVID? Yeah. Uh, so, I saw that Crunchyroll had that on pre-order. So, I ordered it. For Christmas that year, I then received a notification this year that it was shipping. And I was like, what did I order from Crunchyroll? <laughs> what the fuck are they on about? Because I, I couldn't find it in my order history. So I'm like, well, that's a, I guess I'm just eating that. And then it showed up. I'm like, oh, shit. Does she have a removable head? I was going to ask the same so. thing. <laughs> I do not think so. I'm not sure, though, since, you know, I haven't actually opened it or anything like that. But. Yeah, I just that was such a surprise. I'm like, I guess I'm just going to give it to him this year. I don't know why it took him this long to get here, but holy crap, production. 
All right. Did anyone else guess things? If not, that's fine. We'll I did. Out. Okay. I did not see things. Oh, yeah, they're in a backpack. Uh, and uh, Kevin also has the Atlanteans as an expansion for the yes. Imperial Settlers. Oh, well, uh, yeah, they, they could attack the Japanese at any time. Yeah, exactly. Japan is an island lock nation. That makes perfect sense. No one expects the Atlanteans. <laughs> Correct. My gift this year is yet another social obligation. <laughs> you, you're good at getting those. <laughs> this isn't that funny. But... Now I'm very glad I didn't give in to Temptation one day uh, on uh, on Amazon. So Tyler has given us the social obligation of playing magic with him. Yeah, because James bought me a commander deck this year, so now I actually have my own deck. So now you must all be cursed to play commander with me at some point. <laughs> so I've got the Imperium uh, I was, commander deck. I was like, your yours and Kevin's are uh, interchangeable. Uh, Zach's or uh, Jeremy's is specifically for Jeremy. So <laughs> which one is yours? Here and odds. Ah, the nids. You want both because I already have all four. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I, I bought all four when they came out. I saw the Necron one. I'm like, well, no one plays Necron, so <laughs> Kevin does. But I now play Necron. Oh well, that's actually what I've been playing this uh, this edition. The uh, most recently, this Silent edition. King and the uh, Void Dragon are both very cool and also fucking terrifying when I ha- when I break out the guard for the first time and it's like neat. Uh, so I'm up against the anti vehicle. With a bunch of vehicles. <laughs> yep. Fuck. It's, it's like, all right, I'm gonna bring, I'm gonna bring the Void Dragon instead of these Scorpec destroyers. Uh, Which, to be fair, we had talked about in one of our previous games. Yeah, was, doing. and like, part of me was, I want to use the Void Dragon model. He's awesome. Uh, he will actually fill a similar role. And I was like, he's like, he's got some shooting attacks. It'll, it'll be better. Uh, and then he's like, oh, and then I brought my tanks. Oh, <laughs> uh, I didn't like. A, I was like, I, <laughs> I brought first the off, guard for the first. I time. thought I was, pl- I thought I was fighting. I thought I was going to be playing against Jeremy, so this is not a, uh, oh yeah, I brought a bunch of tanks. Cool, I brought the anti-vehicle uh, Satan Shard. He literally, so he's he's got one attack that's anti-vehicle two, so if you roll a two to wound, it counts as a wound, and uh, it counts as a critical. <laughs> uh, and then he's got an anti-vehicle spear, and at the start of the shoot, or at any point during the shooting phase, you can pick a vehicle, deal mortal wounds to them, and heal that many wounds back. <laughs> I was like, He's literally the anti-vehicle Satan shard because there's the Nightbringer who's the one who's really good against infantry. Uh, but the Void Who Dragon needs just, a new model desperately. He does. The Void Dragon just looks bitching. He's like riding this like lightning storm that's picking up rubble. It's it, He's incredible. But yeah, I actually brought all four of these to your house when we played Magic that one time. And we just didn't use those decks. I used the Necron one, actually. Oh, okay. I just wasn't in that game. I, don't, I think you were in the game upstairs. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, no, I've been enjoying, yeah, that is a rad-ass model. Yeah, um, bitchin'. Yeah, no, I've been really enjoying playing Commander this year. James has forced me into it, and now you all have the curse of having decks. So, I guess Kevin already had the curse of having decks. So. I, I have I have all four of these decks. Uh, I have three I've built myself. I, w- uh, I was going to come with that second time you guys were playing Magic, and then something came up, and I wasn't able to come. But Well, we'll definitely be doing it again, mm-hmm. so. Definitely sounds good to me. All right, anything else people want to say at the end of the year? I'm looking forward to this year. There's a lot of cool stuff coming out. Like, I started watching Shangri-La Frontier after me and Kevin talked mm-hmm. on Saturday. It's I- a lot of fun. I'm enjoying the hell out of it. I didn't have to worry about put it where I had to put it because I didn't watch it in 2023. But it's going into its second season. We got second season of Free Rent, a whole bunch of fun stuff at the start of the se- at the start of the year. 
after waiting more than half my life, the Gundam Seed movie is coming out. <laughs> Gundam Seed movie's coming out. The Madoka movie is coming out, and I will actually enjoy that. Ma- yeah, we got the Madoka movie, all kinds of other stuff in 2024. I think it's going to be a fun year. Yeah, I'm opening a brewery in two months. February You're 2nd is our official date. Uh, so um, maybe in March? To- yeah. yeah. <laughs> going to have to go over there and get a beer, which I'll probably go in and just be like, one Hi, normal James. human alcohol, please. <laughs> Hi, James. Give me something you think I might like, because I'm not a beer guy. You said February 2nd? That is the official date right I now. I should try to take that off. Uh, I will let you know if we're actually going to hit the that The thing date. is, if I want it off, I should take it off now. That's fair. It, I, it seems wildly ambitious to me that we're going to be open in a month, but I don't know. If you can, <laughs> let me know uh, two weeks in advance, so I can take that day off. Yep. And I'll probably see if I can find your address so I can tell people at work. Uh, we're just on Google. You can just search us on Google now. Oh, bitchin'. Yeah, 2023 was an okay year. Like It was pretty okay. <laughs> um, 2024 should be fun. We've got some fun stuff coming up on the podcast that I'm actually really excited for. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope there's more good One Piece. <laughs> uh, Merry January, everybody. Or Merry February. Who knows how long this took to edit. <laughs> Merry whenever Jeremy gets this out. 